Hey Who fans, welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And we're at episode 162. Yes, indeed. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rose Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you. Don't ask stupid questions. And don't wander off. How can you kid this? I don't like the colour. Howdy do who fans Hope you've all had a cracking week And that you've managed to do something Something Doctor, Doctor Who, who related, related. <laughs> It's coming quite a catchphrase that isn't it It is I like it Some of us remember it Yeah <laughs> 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 I put it written on my hand, <laughs> like you're at school writing stuff yeah. down on your hand. That's, nice. why it's, that's why it says it sounds like I'm reading it because I am. Something Doctor Who related. There you go. <laughs> Got it. Too many catchphrases. I know. Coming at you from somewhere in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I still like that one. That's cool. Yeah. That's my one. For, for anyone who doesn't know, that's my Geek's Handbag one that I sometimes remember to say at the beginning of a video. <laughs> Geek's Handbag. Only sometimes, though. I used to do it every week, and I sort of forgot it. Yeah, it's. Uh, I used to like it when you when you brought that in, because you did this cool little wave of the hand, like it was a nice little welcome. Yeah, I know, yeah. It's like, welcome yeah. to the video. It's going to be amazing, <laughs> because of, yeah. Uh, I've just got big headed now. Now I'm just like, yeah, hi. Sometimes hi, you, you like it. Yeah, <laughs> casual. You all right? <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> yeah, well, I knew you'd be back. <laughs> so, and the title of the video. Granted. <laughs> the title of the video says it all. So I don't yeah. need to say why you're. You know, yeah, I know. We're just here doing it. it. <laughs> so I hope you guys have had a good week. We've had some big news regarding Series 11 that dropped a few days ago. Yeah, it dropped. And what do you know what I love about it is it dropped without any um, like announcement that it wasn't like going to be like midnight announcement or anything. Oh, it just appeared out of nowhere. So it's good, wasn't it? I like it when they do that. Bit of spontaneity. Aren't they the best ones? <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, because you don't sit there thinking, oh, another hour to go before I can go to bed and it'll be rubbish and they're I always wait up. Yeah. I know. So this was good. It's like two minutes past midnight and then a tweet comes out on the, the official Doctor Who Twitter account. Stephen Moffat's just sharpened a pencil. <laughs> so look out for next week's announcement as to what he does with said pencil. Writing press gang. Yeah, series like, 10. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I like it when they drop them in just like that, just out of nowhere because, mm. yeah, it takes away that potential anti-climax of hyping it all up to midnight and everyone's like oh that's it and go to bed now mm. no I, lo- I loved it actually because I was, I was genuinely shocked because um yeah i think i just checked twitter and there's all these pictures of jody with bradley walsh and, and, that, and i was just like 
Mm. What? What's this? What's this all about? So I always go immediately to the BBC um, official page just to check it is official because, you know, you never know these days. And uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Yeah, very nice little spontaneous announcement by the BBC. Very nice. Mm. Uh, we've got some exciting news about our reviews coming up. Mm. So next month is going to be a slightly different take on the usual uh, classic, new, classic, new thing. We're going to do uh, some some exciting reviews uh, next month. So stay tuned when we finish our review this week. We'll uh, fill you in on what's going on. Mm, something a bit different. Aye. Aye. Yeah. What have you been up to, mate? Are we, are, you sound like you're full of cold. <laughs> I am. I am. I'm full of uh, cosmic cosmic angst, Ugh. as the fifth doctor would say. No, I've got I've got the blimmin' flu, mate. I've had it for weeks, um, and I can't get rid of it. But uh, no, don't no sympathy. I know you don't. And uh, so, but I quite. <laughs> it's the only time my voice sounds uh, anywhere near deep or manly, so I don't mind. But uh, no. So apart from being full of flu and trying to get sympathy from everyone I meet, um, I've been uh, to a phantom event. Went to. Phantom in Chiswick on Saturday that's just gone. Oh, cool, yes. Uh, yep. Which was a really good little event, actually. Um, well, you've been to those before, so mm. you know that hall okay. was quite small, isn't it? And um, this one uh, had an appearance by Tom Baker, so it was completely sold out, and uh, it was very busy. And that little hall was bursting at the seams, if you like. <laughs> um, and Tom uh, was looking really well, I have to say. Okay. Um, he looked in good, very good form. He was very chatty and friendly and lovely as well. Um, I, Because of the price of his auto and photo um, for the entire train journey, because, you know, I'm trying to be more disciplined these days. I think anyone that's been a regular listener to this podcast will know that I'm not very good at, at being <laughs> disciplined when it comes to buying things. So I'm trying to improve on that. So the whole train journey, I was like, it's an auto or a photo, but it's not both. So make up your mind. You've got a whole yeah. train journey to decide. So I decided to go for the photo because I have got a couple of, um, I have got a couple of autographs of Tom. <laughs> so I thought I'll go with a photo because, and I think I've said this to you before, I never seem to manage to get a smiley one with Tom. Yep. He always looks very serious and whatever. <laughs> so I, I thought maybe this will be the one. So uh, so I get there, I go in, and Tom's really chatty. I mean, normally in the photo studio, it's pretty quick. So you go through, you don't normally get a chance to chat too much, you know what I mean? But um, I can't remember how he got onto it. I think he just randomly come out with it. He was like, do you listen to the, the, the Big Finish stuff? I was like, oh, yeah, I love it, Tom. I said, I'm loving the Big Finish stuff you're doing at the moment. And and then he started talking about Toby Haydeck. And now I'm just loving this, but mm-hmm. also aware that the photographer is waiting for me to get the photo and you know, bugger off and the, <laughs> and the queue are waiting. And I said, I'm loving chatting to Tom, but I'm also aware that I'm holding the queue up. Uh-huh. So we eventually have the photo and he's lovely and chatty before. And so then I, you know, I turned to have the photo taken and the guy's like, Oh, that was a good one. I'm like, yes, excellent. Excellent. Looking forward to seeing this one. So, uh, I get the photo back, um, a couple of hours later and, uh, Tom could look, not look more serious or, oh expressionless and i was just like my heart sank i was just like, oh no but it's it's weird because it's it's still a good photo but it's just i don't know it doesn't represent what was going on at the time do you know what i mean i was just like no we were laughing and joking and he looks like he looks really bored <laughs> but anyway so it's always a pleasure to meet tom and as i said he was on top form and uh the other guests there were Carolyn ann ford um and also uh, Roberta Tovey, who played Susan in the TV movies. 
uh, not the TV movies, in the Peter Cushion movies. Um, so it's very unusual, I think, to have both Susans there. Um, I've never known them at a convention together. Um, somebody out there might want to correct me. but So I got a photo with the two of them because I thought that's quite unusual to have um, TV Susan and movie Susan in the same place. So that mm. was good. I, I was really chuffed with the photo I got with them. Uh, really happy with that. And they they were lovely, especially Re- Roberta Tovey. She was um, really chatty and had loads of nice words to say about Peter Cushion. Um, so that was good. And John Leeson was there as well, but I didn't meet him this time because uh, – I've met John a few times and I think I was with you the last time when I when we met K9. So I didn't meet him on this occasion. But it was, it was a great day, mate. Loads of uh, most of loads of people that um I chat to through various Doctor Who groups over the years and that I've never met before. It was really strange. Like I kept seeing people saying, Oh, I'm going to that. I'm going to that. And I was thinking, Oh well, this is great because we've been chatting for ages and I've never actually met you. So it was really good. It was like a massive Who meetup as well. So it was a it was a cracking day. Absolutely cracking day. That sounds awesome, mate. Yeah, so it's really good. Yeah. So that's it. So I didn't really get, uh, yeah, I only got Roberta's. I've got Roberta's autograph and Carol's autograph, and uh, that was it. I didn't get Tom's on this occasion, but yes, it was nice. So So I was quite restrained for me, wasn't I? I was going to say, so you actually stuck to your plan. It was like, no, it's the autograph or it's the photo, and you went with the photo. No, I did, mate. I did because cool, the cool. yeah, it was uh, it was thirty for the auto and thirty well, with the photo. I mean, twenty five for the auto, thirty for the photo. So um, yeah, it's just I just I don't know. Sometimes you just got to be a bit like, you know, you got to be frugal. It adds, up. it adds up too much. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean, mate. You've got to, yeah, because yeah, anyone that's been to conventions will know that sometimes you think it can be you think it's going to be a relatively cheap day, but it ends up being anything but most of the time. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So and, I know uh, what you mean. Oh, I was going to say, I had, um, I had about 11 quid left in my wallet at the end of the day and I was pleased with that because I don't normally have anything by the time we leave. And then just as I was leaving, my friend was like, oh, do you see those really cool badges they had at the, um, where they serve the tea? And I was like, no. I better just go and have a look at these before I leave. <laughs> and they were actually the coolest Doctor Who badges I've seen in a long time. So I was like, oh, I'll have a couple of these. So that was six quid gone. But they are brilliant. I don't know if you saw the photo I put on Facebook. I did. It was like yeah. um they were like badges of like some of the sixties annual covers and yeah. um and then what's the other one I bought? Aces you know, ace symbol that she has on her jacket. Oh, yeah. yep. Badges like that. And they're really good quality as well. So uh, they were very cool. I was very pleased with them. Um, I'm trying to fit them on the handbag, but I can't get them on. <laughs> yeah. They had those there when you and I, the first one that you and I went to. Oh, right. I don't remember. I did, yeah. They're in the I little baskets, start, but... aren't they? By the tea. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. By the tea hut. Yeah. 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 So that was that. Really cool. So I've had a really quiet week in comparison, mate. Yeah. Very quiet. I haven't done anything. Have you not watched anything or listened to anything? I've watched a couple of bits, yeah. I've watched, um, I was listening to the soundtrack to An Adventure in Space and Time. Oh, I really like that. Which is a real beautiful, it's a really, I can hear it. Yeah, Yeah. it's a beautiful soundtrack. And because it's not Murray Gold, it's something different, but still Doctor Who, if you know what I mean. So, and it's just really nice. And after that, that got me into it. So I did stick that on that evening. And, you know, crying again at like the last the <laughs> final 10 minutes it just it, it really does pull at your your heartstrings that does the last 10 minutes of that whole thing it all starts that last take where david bradley's standing by the tardis and everyone's ready and 
You know, mm. he just looked that music, that heartbreaking music kicks in and he looks up and he sees Matt Smith there. Yeah. You know, and it's just really, it's really beautiful. And then he disappears and then it's the final bit. And then the camera pans around the studio and you actually see Hartnell himself giving that little speech at the end. Oh, it's just, mm. it's it magic. It's perfection, isn't it? It's yeah. perfection, that story. I, I, I love that, actually, because that's where he's looking around the room. Like you said, it's where it all starts, isn't it? He's looking around the room seeing everything's changed like the producer's yeah. different and they don't know how to turn the TARDIS time rotor on and he's like oh come out of the way yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that bit isn't it it's, always, it's brilliant yeah so good did it make you think about the forthcoming Christmas special as well were you watching it thinking oh you know he's I can't wait to see more yes of yeah. him yeah because yeah. I did the last time I watched it yeah yeah it does it does make you think um you know what what would they do with what what sorry what are they going to do with the first Doctor's character because yeah it's kind of, uh, I was I was going to say it's kind of dangerous territory, but it's not in a way. But it, they have to kind of be careful a little bit, don't they? Because mm. you know everything that Hartnell's done is is there, you know, to be seen if it's not been you know deleted or lost. So yeah. all of his stories, you know, the ones that are there are all there and current. So I'm hoping that they don't mess too much with the whole timeline of the First Doctor and mess too much with you know what. He was because you know how Hartnell was back in the day when he was making Who. He had, you know, we said it many times about that very old, mm-hmm. old grandpa, grumpy, short tempered at times. Yeah. You know, so I'm hoping they don't stray too far because I think in Adventure in Space and Time, Mark Gates, he did do a really cool script and story for that. And I think David yeah. Bradley did it justice for the most part. So I'm just hoping that they cling on to that and that we, we don't get this you know, different Hartnell that somehow has just appeared out of nowhere. And, you mm. know, the director's like, we'll play it like this and we'll do it like that. You know, I hope they stay true. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, because that little glimpse we got of him at the end of, uh, what was that called? <laughs> the last one of series 10. Pain. That one. The last um, one, yeah. I can't the remember last the clip. name. Yeah. No, it's probably right in front of me, actually. But, um uh, yeah, that you know that little short clip we got of him when he comes around the corner and sees the Twelfth Doctor, and don't know, he immediately sort of felt right. It's weird because I love David Bradley in Adventure Space and Time, but I think um, I prefer it when he's playing William Hartnell, if that makes sense. I think because, for example, when he's doing the One Day I Shall Come Back speech, it it's slightly different to Hartnell, obviously, and he doesn't seem to have the timing right. So I, I don't know if it makes sense. I kind of prefer him as Hartnell, okay. but I do, yeah. but I do love him as the first Doctor, and I can see that. You know, I, th- I think he'll do a great performance. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to more. Um, I've, I've realised something as well. I don't know why I didn't think of this. You know, we were saying the other week, um, about Nick Briggs being on the, the credits yes for the forthcoming Christmas special we're saying oh well obviously the Daleks the Cybermen are going to be in it then I was thinking well it's probably the Cybermen isn't it because we're it's like Mondas, Mondas. we assume yep. and stuff like yep. that so that that does make sense and I'm I'm surprised that it took me so long to to put those two together to be honest yeah it, it was only the weekend I suddenly thought that yeah it's just, I think it's a safe bet that it's on Mondas but again yeah. again you never know Never know. When the trailer for The Force Awakens came out, everybody thought that was on Tatooine. Oh, really? And it turned yeah. out to be Jakku, didn't it? This other desert planet that looked identical to Tatooine. That's true, so yeah. You yeah. never know. Yeah. never know. Uh, but yeah, that episode we're talking about was obviously The Doctor Falls. Of course, yeah. yeah. 
How do yeah, we not remember? Our memories are shocking. Bro. Oh, it's shocking. Absolutely shocking. Long term, I can't even think what's. Yeah, yeah. I, was gonna say, I can't even think what it was before that. I'm not very good with episode titles, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> the one that always gets me as well is Seeds of Death and Seeds of Doom. Oh, yeah. Never, yeah. ever remember which is which because that's one of my favorite Fourth Doctor stories. <laughs> Whichever <laughs> one it is, it's Doom, isn't it? Doom, yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Seeds oh, of Death even, it, is the second. Second Doctor, Doctor. one. I see, even yes. now I'm thinking, am I right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, those are the two that always throw me every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a, a a potential minefield. Mm. You know? I've just Googled it. I had to make sure I was right because I don't want listeners screaming at us at the other end. Oh, yeah, Seas of Death is definitely Second Doctor, Series yeah. 6. Yep, if I'm correct. Seas of Doom. Yep, yep. Yeah. You know, uh, that's some pretty good titles, though, for Series 10. Yeah, I uh, quite liked uh, The Eaters of Light. That sounded good anyway, even though the story wasn't that great. It sounded good. Yeah. Um, the opening title was genius, the pilot. That was well, cool. you know, it's weird, actually, because I never liked that. Only because, not because of the title, but only because, again, it becomes confusing. Because if I say to someone, I love the pilot, <laughs> I'm talking about the William Hartnell <laughs> one right, right so you know again confusion but i do also like the 12 doctor one but yeah so but yeah nothing against title itself yeah and the lie of the land sounded cool as well with liars in tell, oh tell yes. a lie. yeah oh disappointing <laughs> wrap up that was oh dear yeah <laughs> i know terrible anyways that's what we've been up to yes shall we land it do a bit of news go on then Let's get the big news done. So, as we said earlier, the Beeb, they launched their, They launched this image and this little tweet out. And it was an image of Jodie Whittaker with her new TARDIS team. Yes. So the rumours are now set. You know, there are no more rumours. It's all been confirmed. Bradley Walsh is... There he is. He is, as, you know, the picture confirms and everything <laughs> from the Beeb, he is in the TARDIS team. Um, now, we don't actually know their complete roles yet, do we? All we, no. all we know is these additional three people are part of what's been coined as the TARDIS team. And a lot of people have said it's the three new companions and, and all that stuff. Mm. Um, however, we don't actually know yet what their roles are. So it's a safe bet that these three people will not be full-time companions traveling with the Doctor all the time. So that's something to bear in mind, because when I saw everybody going nuts on Twitter, saying, it's a new companions, it's a new companions, I thought it could be. Hmm. Certainly at least one of them. That's a safe bet, I would say, that at least one of them is a full-time new companion. If I was to put my money on it, mate, I... I think the I think Bradley Walsh will be like a recurring character, a bit of a Nardole that's, you know, sort of there, you know, um, in, interlinking the stories. And I wouldn't be surprised if the other two and Jodie are the sort of TARDIS team that right, we get to right. see most of. I just can see them 
going on adventures and sort of, I don't know, maybe Bradley, as I said, tagging along now and again or then going back to Earth and him having some role there. I don't know, but I'll be very surprised if the three of them are traveling with the Doctor um, for the entire series. I mean, I I still think that could work because I love the Davison era where we had loads of companions and I... You know, some people say, yeah, TARDIS was too full. I, I don't think so. I think it worked fine. Um, I know sometimes they didn't always get given a lot to do, but um, but no, I'd be yeah. surprised, mate, but it wouldn't bother me if they were, to be honest with you. No, I think this is really cool. I mean, if they all were, yeah, full-time companions, yeah. that'd be great. So are you saying that Bradley Walsh's character might be a little bit like Rory's dad? Uh, uh, yeah possibly but maybe in it a bit more than that but right, i, I right. don't know I, I can't see him being a full-time companion um but i could be wrong um and i'll say it now that if he is a full-time companion i'm, I'm don't have a problem with it at all yes um i really don't yeah i do want to put my feelings out there about bradley mm. walsh because i kind of went to bat for him a little bit on twitter the other day because yeah i saw the majority of tweets saying this is awful and you know what why on earth would they would they cast somebody like Bradley Walsh and mm. and all that stuff? And the one thing that I've been saying is where it concerns casting for Doctor Who, they've not really set a foot wrong in the past. Where it concerns, I'm not talking about supporting cast, I'm talking about main regular mm. characters, you know. They've not really put a foot wrong. So I've got a lot of faith in how they cast the show because they've not really done a bad job since it came back. With Eccleston no. and all that. No. And another thing as well is that pretty much all of these things that people are saying were tweeted out word for word when Catherine Tate was announced as being in the show. Everybody said pretty much the same thing. Yeah. You know, me included, I'll be honest. And, you know, she turned out to be one of the best companions in the show. My favorite of the new series. Yeah. So I think it's quite, you know, it, it's not probably the best road to go down to start immediately. And the other thing as well is none of us have seen anything to do with it yet. So we've not seen, all we've seen is a photograph of them presumably on their way to a a script read through perhaps or an early production meeting or something like that. We haven't seen any shots from filming. We haven't seen a trailer. We've seen zero. So Mm. I think it's a little bit unfair to start judging Bradley Walsh as a companion or you know, however he's involved with the Doctor and and the team and so on, Mm. until we've actually seen it. So I just want to put that out there. You know, they haven't really put a foot wrong with casting so far. They've Even if you didn't agree with it initially and you thought, oh God, you know, this this could be terrible. I don't agree Mm. with this. It normally ends up being really, you know, a great casting decision. So let's have a little bit of faith, a little bit of... um, you know, let's not just crush him down straight away without <laughs> seeing anything that he's done yet. So, and then we have the other two people as well. So these, um, we have somebody called Mandip Gill, um, who has been, as far as I know, the only thing that I know, um, that is, is from Hollyoaks. Yeah. Which I wouldn't know cause I can't stand Hollyoaks. Uh, I must admit my heart did sink just a little bit when I read, word Hollyoaks because I, I find it a, a, a despicable program um, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to let that go. Yes, yeah, the same yeah, I mean yeah. she she has been I think that's the only thing that I know her from but apparently she's been in a few other things as well. Yeah, um, good. And then we also have, have a guy called um, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right it's either Tosin or Tosin Tosin Cole who has also 
known for Hollyoaks, but has also mm. had very small parts in other things. Um, so another thing that people have said as well is that why have they cast these unknowns? I like it when it's unknown. And I have to, you know, just try and come back with some positivity as well, because mm. casting unknowns isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because the, the second you cast somebody that's well known, and this is the grand irony of all this, as soon mm. as you cast somebody that's well known, your expectation is immediately set, and then you judge whether they're good or bad off of your expectation. Yeah. So that's what's happened with Bradley Walsh because he's such a well-known celebrity, and you know whatever whatever you want to class him as, you know, a broad, you know, a presenter, entertainer, comedian, game show host, whatever it is you want to label him as, because he's so well-known, and people immediately think, oh, this is going to be rubbish. Yeah, which is ironic because you know he probably will be very good. And then the other two uh, cast members who are supposedly unknowns, even though they've got massive Twitter followings and they've been in, you know, some primetime uh, soap uh, shows. They're not really unknowns, are they? They're, they're just yeah, not they known worked. to people. Who, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I think the whole thing, I think mainly the, the thing, the whole vibe has been positive. Well, let's, um, let's, uh, I can throw two out there. You've got Matt Smith was un, pretty much unknown before he became the Doctor, and mm. I think he's a fantastic actor and it was a great Doctor. And then uh, another one for you, Pearl Mackey. She'd done mostly theatre work. In fact, I don't think, I think I remember her saying in an interview, she hadn't done any television. She was fantastic. Exactly. You know, yeah. so, I, and also I, I agree with you. I like it when they're unknown because, yeah, you don't have any preconceptions. I mean, the thing is with Bradley Walsh, and the reason I don't have a problem with him at all, but... I think a lot of people do is because they they just associate him with the chase, the yes. game show, and they yep. think that's all he's done. No, he's done like uh, drawing, uh, crime dramas. He was in an episode of Sarah Jane, Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, he's a good actor, um, and just like you said, mate, and I have to echo it as well. You know, um, when they cast these people, you know, the writers and Chibnall, they've got a plan in mind they're not just thinking oh they'll be might be good or you know he's obviously got a role that he thinks is perfect for bradley walsh so you've got to have a bit of faith in the writers in in who they choose to play it, if you know what i mean exactly so so i yep. agree with you 100 percent. yeah and bradley walsh seems like a bit of a lifelong fan as well some one of the yeah. quotes that was put out by him to say that he remembers watching hartnell um back yeah. in the early black and white days um he remembers being uh petrified and finding it really scary and then he remember he says he remembers queuing up for ages um to get into the carlton cinema in watford to watch the peter cushing movies oh really <laughs> so and he says he's thrilled to be part of you know a new dawn for the doctor and stuff so i i love that i mean not that that makes any difference on his performance at all but it's clear that he's you know a, a fan of the show you know and he's a fan of classic who as well as being involved in new doctor who so I, for one, think it's going to, I think he's going to be really good. I really do. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree, mate. I, when I saw this picture, um, I mean, this rumor about Bradley Walsh has, has been around for a while. Um, I, I had this gut feeling it was going to be true. Um, and, uh, so I wasn't surprised when I saw it. Um, but no, I, I look at the picture and I think, yeah, it it feels fresh. I can see Chibbers has obviously got his own little master plan and this is part of that master plan. So, Bring it on, as far as I'm concerned. Bring yeah. it on. Let's see what it's what it's like. Yeah. Um, in other news, talking of um, Series 11, 
uh, we did get another bit of news, which is about the amount of episodes we're going to get and the running time. So w- there's been rumours that we were going to get hour-long episodes. That's kind of been, um, it's kind of been squashed, squished. Squished. Uh, but it's not too bad. So what we are getting, and this has been confirmed, is uh, ten. No, sorry. Well, a series of ten episodes. The first episode is going to be a sixty-minute opener, and then the remaining nine episodes in the series are going to be fifty minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and also presumably we'll, we'll end up with a Christmas special as well. Um, although that hasn't been confirmed as yet, has it? Not yet. Uh, no. So what do you think of that, mate? So we're, we're getting less who than we've had before because technically we're only getting 10 episodes now. So we are going down. I mean, I think back in 10th day, what did we get? Was it 13, 12 and then a special? Cause it's slowly gone down over the years. So this is the lowest mm-hmm. we've had in some time. Um, and, but we're getting a slightly longer running time, 50 minutes instead of 45. Um, so I don't know. What do you think? What do you feel about this? Um, I don't mind it, to be honest with you, um, because of the slightly extended runtime. Mm. Um, so last series, series 10, we got 11 episodes. And we're also getting a Christmas special. Yeah. So... Yeah, so we're getting 10. So it's not like they've cut it down to like a little six mini, you know, a six episode mini series or anything like that. We're still getting, no. you know, 10 episodes. And because of the slightly longer runtime, I mean, if you add up the, so what is it? it's normally 45 minutes, isn't it? Normally, yeah. And then, so what's that extra five minutes? So we get an extra 50 minutes worth of runtime across those nine episodes. So mm. that's effectively like another, so that's your missing 11th episode, if you like, just you know, spread out across the series. So, and again, this was something that really kicked off on Twitter with people going berserk about this, saying, yeah, I feel short-changed and, you know, Mm. it's the BBC's way of disguising cutbacks and budget cuts and all the rest (laughs) of it. And let me just tell you, right, if if this is the BBC's way of introducing cutbacks, then so be it. I would Mm. rather have this than the show cancelled. Yeah, yeah. You know, because if the BBC wanted to, like they've done before, they could have just said, you know, because let's not make any any bones about it. The viewing figures are down. Massively. Year on year, series on series. So they yeah. could very, very easily just pull the plug on Doctor Who. Because mm. I know it was recommissioned, I think, months ago. We spoke about that story where it, I think it's been commissioned up until 2020 or 2021. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Something like that. However, that's never set in stone. Never. So the BBC could easily just say, it's a lot of money to make the show, but yet viewing figures are going down. Hmm. So we're under pressure to make budget cuts all the time. Let's just pull it. Hmm. So they could quite easily do that. So I would rather have slightly shorter episodes with longer runtime than the BBC making some real progress in pulling the plug. Yeah, and also what I'm hoping, and I mean, I've no basis for this, but I'd like to think that, but by having hopefully the same budget but less episodes, the episodes will look a little bit uh, better because um, <laughs> right. the budget had started to show a little bit, I think, 
um, in Summer Peter Capaldi's era. It got better actually in Series Ten, but I remember me and you have said uh, before, like in Series Nine, and that that some of the CGI in that was shocking. Oh, really, yeah, yeah. it looked like something out of the eighties at times. Um, well, maybe not that bad, but you know what I mean. And so, if if they're if you know if they've got a similar budget, but they're making less episodes, hopefully they're going to look very. Because I'm expecting from Chimnall something very polished. You know, I keep thinking yeah. back to Broad Broadchurch and yeah. how mm-hmm. beautifully filmed it is, and how cinematonic it is. Cinematonic is that word? Cinema, you know, uh, whatever that word is. Cinematic. Yeah. That's yeah. what I quite like. Cinematonic. <laughs> yeah, cinematic. It looks. Um, so I'm expecting something like that. I don't know about you. I think I'm hoping they're going to up the production values, make it look like a quality drama. You know, uh, and and maybe that's why we're getting less episodes as well. But I do also think it fits into Chiba's plan uh, of this whole one story arc thing that he's got. You know, I think perhaps he's thought about it and, you know, 10 episodes is what he wants to do it over. And so, again, I think it's all in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, yeah, I think it'll be okay. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, again, I kind of urge fans to, because don't get me wrong, I'm not preaching. I'm not telling anybody what to think or feel. But, you know, I just try and urge you to have a bit more of an open mind about this stuff because... And another sense of irony is for so long, people were craving change. Mm. You know, for so long, we heard people complain endlessly about how the moth was doing things. And now we get this change up and, you know, in classic who fandom style, everyone's hating on it. You know, <laughs> So I just urge people just to, you know, just have a bit of trust in what's going on because you complained, you know, all the time about how the moth was destroying the French, uh, destroying the show, you know, mm. and, and really crippling it and everything going to, going to hell. And now we've got Chibbers who comes in with some fresh ideas, you know, and, you know, <laughs> the, you know, the biggest change being a female doctor. But on top of yeah. that, we've now got a different number of episodes, a slightly different runtime. It's all changed that we were all asking for. This is all the stuff that we were going on about for so, you know, for at least the last two series that the moth was in charge. We were like, he's got to go. And not that you and I were saying this, but that was the general feeling. You know, he's yeah. got to go. We we need a change. It's all got a, And now we've got all these things and everyone's like, <laughs> I don't like this. Can we go back to how it was before? So let's just damned have Damned if you yeah. do, damned if you don't. Exactly. Yeah, it must yeah. be so difficult to be involved in making Doctor Who because like you just said, mate, what... Do, you make a change, you know, and that people have been asking for. And then when you make it, you're condemned, you know, to change in the formula. So, yeah. but there we go. I, I don't personally mind it. I think as long as it, at the end of the day, the, the runtime is irrelevant. If the story works, what mat- what does it matter how long it takes you to get from A to B? Exactly. You know, yeah. if it doesn't matter Very if it's half point. an hour or an hour. If the story works and it's a good script and the performances are there, what does it matter? Yeah. You know? So, but that's going to, um, yeah, so you are right. That's the first episode. The first episode though is an hour. So not too much of a difference between the 50 minutes and the opener, but hmm. that might be quite cool though. The old, um, yeah, I up. like it when we get a, a, a longer opener, as long as it's not like a deep breath that had so much padding in it. Actually, I was, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I remember Deep Breath was longer, wasn't it? And I was thinking, no, oh, that's good. But there was so much in there that could have been cut. But um, no, I, as long as it's like you just said, got a good story in that, then then great. And I, I like it when we get a slightly longer final as well, don't yes. you? Like yeah. I think Series 10, 
Doctor Falls was slightly longer, wasn't it? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I like it when we get like a nice long beginning and end, but we'll see see what we get. Yeah. So anyway, that's the series eleven news mentioned and done. If you want to send us your thoughts and feelings on that, we'll happily uh, wax lyrical about that stuff. Just tweet us or whatever. Um, so that's going to do. I oh know we've got one more news item. Sorry, Pearl Mackey has picked up an award on behalf of Doctor Who. Um, something called an Alley Award. Oh, okay. By, by <laughs> an Alley Award by Pink News, and it's the award for the LGBT inclusiveness. Ooh. And it's not for her role in particular, it's just for the long-standing policy that Doctor Who has had for including LGBT characters in the show. Oh, okay. So it goes right back to the RTD era with Jack Harkness, the omnisexual <laughs> Jack Harkness. Get it right, yeah. get yourself in trouble. Yeah, and then... Um, and then they sort of fast forward a little bit until we get to, to Bill Potts, obviously played by Pearl Mackey. So, yeah. um, for the so I remember, I remember when Pearl Mackey said, when she announced it publicly that um, Bill Potts was an openly gay character, mm. I remember that the the one thing that um, the LGBT community did say was that this stuff is really important because it's about awareness. It's not just about Doctor Who trying to tick boxes. Mm. you know, about how, you know, they cast their show and, you know, ethnicity and sexuality and stuff like that. It's just about, you know, being a bit of a role model, perhaps to younger uh, viewers who might be going through that. Um, uh, Yeah, it's just about awareness, really. So just making it, you know, sort of not hiding it away. So because with some TV programs, if we rewind a few years, there were sort of, the suggestion that a certain character could be gay, mm. you know, but it was never explicitly stated. It was just sort of a leaning to, you know, yeah. and as, you know, as times have moved on. So I, I, I think this is great that Doctor Who's involved in this because like I said, it, I like the fact that they haven't just awarded it because of Bill Potts's character. They've actually awarded it to the show in general for its inclusion of LGBT characters. So mm. Pearl Mackey picked that up and she said, uh, it's lovely to be able to accept the award on behalf of Doctor Who. She feels honoured to have been invited, let alone for the Doctor Who and the character of Bill. And she said, it's a testament to how well she was received. I met a couple of young girls who were uh, BAME and talked to me about watching Bill on Doctor Who enabled them to come out and feel comfortable with their own sexuality. And she said, for me, that's a massive achievement. So I really like, that's what I'm, I was saying earlier that it's really cool for Doctor Who to be completely unshy mm. about that stuff because it does help people. Because, you know, TV, when you fall in love with a TV show or you fall in love with certain characters from TV shows, it does make you feel like you know them. Yeah, that's true. You, yeah. Know, you yeah. do have this sense of, you know, like you feel like you, and although it's just their character, it's not the real person, you do feel like you know them. So if that in mm. some way helps young people, then that's all all brilliant as far as i'm concerned yeah absolutely mate yeah so that was pink news i'm not sure when that was i think it was uh anyway last week at some point mm. yes um and just lastly the pink news um they celebrate the contributions of politicians businesses and community groups towards lgbt equality in the uk so that's good yeah very important yes that's gonna do for news yeah that's it can you ask our 
metal friend to bring in a, a mug of Lemsip on that tray, <laughs> along with all the merch. Let's see. Let's see if he's got something. Oi! <laughs> Lemsip, please. What's he saying? He's so uncaring, he probably... Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Afraid he not, can't mate. fool me. Oh. Afraid not. What's this? Cup of oil? He's crafty, <laughs> isn't he? He's terrible, isn't he? Go on, off you go. Crafty. He's laughing at me. Yes. Tell he is. Yeah. <laughs> he has thrown down a few bits though oh yes all oh, this one bit i like <laughs> you won't like it i like it <laughs> first bit is uh we've got a book that's been regenerated you don't hear that often mm-hmm. yes yeah, so those of you that have seen this book it's been out for the first edition i think it's been out for quite a while it's called doctor yeah. who whoology and i remember this is one of the first books that i picked up i believe when i got into doctor who Oh, is it? I think okay. so, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's just basically a, like a, a book full of uh, facts and interesting snippets and everything about Who from the Hartnell years all the way through. And they've done uh, a new edition. So it's called the Regenerated Edition. And it's essentially got uh, everything to cover right up until the Doctor Falls. So it includes the last two or three series before, hmm. you know, it was it was released, and it is out on January the eleventh next year, which sounds a long time away, but it's really not, is it? Oh no, it's not really. No, we're at the end no. of October now, so it's basically a couple of months away. It's rattling around, so yeah. Fourteen ninety nine paperback. I think this came out in hardback first. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm trying to think if I've got this. I don't think I have. I remember, remember a few people saying it was good, though, and that I should get it. It is quite cool, mate. Yeah. 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 I, remember read, I remember reading through it thinking, wow. But it's but... definitely hardback. I remember <laughs> my friends got it. It definitely was hardback, yeah. Hold on. I can confirm. I'm looking at it on the shelf now. Oh, you got it, have you? It's hardback, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was, yeah. So paperback, that's interesting. Mm. Uh, but anyways um, essentially it's the same book but it's just been updated to include a lot more of the Capaldi stuff Um, so as you journey from an unearthly child all the way through lots of facts and fun tidbits and stuff yeah I like I like the fact they've they've sort of kept the same cover but just slightly changed it uh, you know what i mean it's an updated yeah. version so that's quite cool yeah. so yeah i will check i haven't got this because i have got a lot of books you probably have just somewhere. piled up and it's probably in that pile but i don't remember it but i do remember people telling me i should get it so yeah might check out that new new version uh here's something i definitely will be getting but i don't know about you um but uh titans <laughs> here we <laughs> go titans. another tardis variant but it's it's one that's been out before but you could only get it in the three point five inch size before and now they're re-releasing a 4.5 inch version of it which is the snow tardis <laughs> now i wanted to get this for ages because it was a rare chase mm. variant and it went for blimmin silly money on ebay I, I occasionally just check ebay to see if it's on there and it's normally around 50 quid or something silly a friend of mine managed to 
get it blind boxed for three pounds ninety nine. Oh wow! <laughs> a couple wow. of months. I know. I couldn't believe it when you opened the box because you know, <laughs> uh, a, a little while back, Forbidden Planet reduced um, a lot of their Titan figures to three nine to clear stock, and they were like the old batch. And uh, he just got so lucky. He opened it, and it was this this snow Tardis, and I was like. Do you know how rare that is? Do you know how long I've been trying to get that blimmin' thing? Because it's it's basically the TARDIS with snow, and it's got, like, the little reef on it. And it reminds me of the Tenant era, and I'm guessing it's from his Titan batch back whenever that was. So, you know, um, makes you think of that snow advert. Do you remember with the TARDIS buried in the snow? And yep, I'm sure that was yep. Tenant, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So, But this is going to be a bigger version, 4.5. Um, and for a little while, it was only available from beauty shop in america because mm-hmm. i got quite excited when i saw they're doing this big version of it and i was like must get it clicked on it i was like bbc shop thought that was closed down and then i realized it was the american version um but it has now become available in the uk from forbiddenplanet.co.uk uh, so it seems to be that's the only shop at the minute that are going to be stocking it now i don't know about you mate i've heard i've heard lots of people no i've read lots of post saying this is going to be really limited in the uk so i panicked a bit when it first came out I was like right add to basket straight away it hasn't that hasn't sold out of the pre-order yet so either it's unpopular or it's not limited i don't know yeah. but somebody told me we were only going to get like 70 to sell in the uk or something i don't know where that rumor come from but, but okay but anyway yes i'm quite happy with this um i know you're probably sick to the back teeth of uh, titan variants but are you slightly taken with this one well, let me just tell you. You've ordered it. I've ordered this one. Yay! <laughs> uh, like I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I, although I'm not a huge fan of the um, Titans stuff, I don't mind it. It's quite cool. But I do like the TARDIS, the TARDIS models that they've done. Any Anything to the TARDIS, really, I find quite... And these ones are really... I hate using this word, but it is very cute. It is cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's been pre-ordered. Oh, I'm, I'm pleased to hear it. I mean, it's just that they have done quite a lot of TARDIS variants now, so I think people were getting a bit... Because they did one only a couple of weeks ago, didn't they? A glow-in-the-dark one. That's right. And then they did that Pandorica Opens one. They've done a Bad Wolf one, and I think people were just like, hmm, how many variants do we need? They've done a silver one, I think. <laughs> but this is a not. I think this is a nice variant, and obviously very Christmassy, so gets you in that Christmassy mood that's just around the corner it's really christmasy it's got the little um obviously it's covered in snow which looks christmasy already but then it's got the little christmas reef on the front yeah i think it's cool i love it yeah it looks really cool like it like it yeah so that's ordered so that went out this december isn't it 7th of december apparently yeah it's it's not a bad price is it is it 12.99 12.99 yeah yeah it's not bad yeah so we'll we shall see if we get one, because I still haven't got my first Doctor Funko Pop yet. Really? Yeah, yeah. Ugh. So I'll be on to them at some point, make no mistake. Yeah, it's funny actually, because a friend of mine um, ordered it from Code.uk, same as you, and I was saying to him, well, just get it from .com. They've got it in stock, but I have a feeling .com have removed it from their page. They must have sold out, because I can't see it on there anymore at all. Oh dear. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure FP will get it in very soon, mate. I'm sure they will. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's merch from old grumpy Dalek Tats. Yeah. It's review time. Oh, yes. Adam, old chap. Gary, toad face. Toad face. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing this week? 
my good toad uh we are doing uh doing third doctor classic story the time warrior stars are falling you're gonna challenge me sky warrior i thought all this might give me a good story i'm a journalist sarah jane smith you treacherous dog i don't understand where am i I'm Commander Lynx, Fifth Sontara Army Space Fleet. Well, there's always something you can do. It's just a matter of working out what. A Sontara warrior. I have been expecting you. Why did you follow me to this time? To prevent your interference with the affairs of Earth. <laughs> with an army of magic knights such as I fought, Iron Gron could conquer the whole kingdom. Here they come, Doctor. He who strikes Iron Gron dies. Iron Gron. Iron Gron, yeah. There's a fight, Iron Gron, die. <laughs> He's got some good sayings, isn't he? Yes. Oh, Iron Gron. Yeah. yeah treacherous toad. <laughs> <laughs> the Time Warrior. Third Doctor story. Originally sent out on the 15th of December, 1973. Yes. It was part of series 11 back then. It was written by Robert Holmes. Mm. and directed by Alan Bromley, overseen by Mr. Terence Dix. Yeah. Yeah. And it, the story is uh, the Doctor is still working with Unit, and um, he, 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 hold on, let me get this right. He's working at Unit, and he picks up something called Something Waves. He builds this little contraption while he's working oh, at uni. Yeah. And he picks up these waves, and it turns out to be um, uh, Centauran from a hun- like 100 years previous to that. And he's kind of casting his net far and wide because he's trying to pick up sort of brainy scientists to bring them back to repair his ship. Mm. So where the doctor's studying with unit, these scientists are going missing. So he builds a little contraption, finds out that um, it's a Centauran stealing these scientists, locks onto it somewhat, goes in the TARDIS back in time to the medieval times. And uh, what's happened is the Centauran called Lynx has kind of begrudgingly asked for help from uh, Iron Gron and his little band of, of peeps in his castle. He's asked them for help in trying to repair his ship. Um, so he kind of gets drawn into this little kind of medieval game of thrones kind of thing because mm. iron gron and his little band of people in his castle they reckons he's like the most powerful um nobody can oppose him but there's another castle down the road and you know they've got their little thing going on and they think that iron gron's going to invade them so they cook up a plan to have him assassinated and also Lynx is kind of in the middle of this medieval balance of power going on because apparently the king of england has sent all of his troops off to war so there's nobody to oppose these little power greedy kings in their castles and then the doctor turns up obviously he's trying to find out where the scientists are and he works it all out that links has you know captured them hypnotized them they're working on his ship but then the doctor gets captured as well and then he gets drawn into this game between the two of them as well and he helps the uh the other the other guys um, sort of worn off, ward off Iron Gron, and then he helps them capture Iron Gron, and yeah, and it turns out that you know everybody um, 
sort of not this happy ever after because it's not good news for Iron Gron and his um, band of followers because as Link's ship does get repaired, um, which the Doctor sort of tampers with a little bit, he kind of goes to take off, blows up Iron Gron's castle. So uh, the ones that didn't run out and make it would have been blown to smithereens, I assume. And then, yeah, the uh, the uh, the guy, I've forgotten his name, the bowman from the other castle, he kind of thanks the Doctor and Sarah Jane. They go off, assumingly, kind of starts a new adventures because it is Sarah Jane's first uh, adventure with the Doctor, her first appearance. And I presume they're off back to unit and the people in that castle. I think his name, I think the guy who runs the other castle, I think his name's Edward, Edward of Wessex, I believe, and his wife, Lady Eleanor. Yeah, so those two, they live happily ever after because Iron gone. No more threat from those guys. Lynx gets killed because his ship blows up and the Doctor and Sarah Jane head back to unit, I assume, or so we think. So that's the Time Warrior. And I think I've done a fairly decent-ish job of explaining what it's all about, I think. Um, and it's a four-parter as well. So it's four parts over roughly 25 minutes each. So the Time Warrior, what do you reckon to this one, mate? Uh, the Time Warrior, yes. Do you know what, mate? I think this is a little gem of a story. I I love this one, actually. I really, really do. Um, I haven't watched it for a long time, actually. It was a real treat uh, giving this a rewatch, didn't I? Because I, I knew that I liked it, um, but I'd forgotten how much, if you know what I mean. So I put it on and I and I just loved it. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a good one for me, this one. Uh, what about you? I'm glad that you said that. Oh, good. Yeah, because I'm, I have exactly the same thoughts as that. I think this one is a little hidden gem. Yeah. Oh, I think of so. the Pertwee era. I think sometimes it gets a little bit of flack. I think I, I, it's not a Marmite story where you love it or hate it. I think it's generally mm. well received, but there are some people that can't stand it. You know, they just think it's it's no good at all. But I think this is a great little story, and it's one of those classic. It's one of those classic Who stories that fits perfectly into the four parts. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, with even some four-parters that we've reviewed, we've said, oh, this could easily have been a two-parter or a three-parter mm. at the at the most. You know, thank God it wasn't six parts because four yeah. parts is, you know, stretching it. But this one seemed to fit really well. It it didn't have that, it didn't have that middle dip, if you like. Oh, do you know, one of the notes I wrote, because yeah. normally we say, don't we, sometimes you get to episode three, and that tends to be the one where mm-hmm. if it's a bit filler and then things pick up in episode four. If anything, episode three in this one, everything kicks off. Yeah, so like, yeah. you, you know, sort of um, you get the resolution to cliffhanger and then there's loads of action at the start of episode three. And I was like, thinking, this is just great because mm-hmm. normally things are, you know, like you said, taking a dip and then we pick it back up. And yeah, it's a it's a it's a perfect four parter, actually. Um, none of it feels padded to me at all. There isn't anything really that that feels boring or where I sort of thought oh, I might just have a quick check of the phone because you know this is dragging a bit there's none of that with this story it just flows it made me laugh at times um it's got action in it um we've got loads of firsts in it so it's the first Sarah Jane story it's the first Sontaran story it's the first time we get Gallifrey mentioned and and this is my favorite and it's the, <laughs> it's the one that a lot of people forget it's the first 
time we get the new title sequence, which is my favourite title sequence, which is sort of most people will associate it with the Tom Baker era because it kind of got chopped and used for that. And I think a lot of people forget that in John Pertwee's last series, we had this intro and I love it because it starts with, reminds me of um, when they go to uh, hyperdrive in Star Wars. Yeah, am I saying the right thing? You know, when the Millennium Falcon hits, yes. is it hyperdrive? Yep. Yep. Yeah, it reminds me of that. So it starts with that effect and then it goes into the tunnel effect mm-hmm. and, and we get the diamond logo for the first time. And I, I just love that intro. It's it's actually my favorite. And obviously it's a slightly different theme as well. So there's lots of firsts yeah. happening yep. in this story. Um, but yeah, it just flows, doesn't it? It doesn't, it doesn't get boring and it's quite a simple story as well. It's just really about... Link's trying to repair his ship and get home, and then yeah, there's all the stuff going on between the two, you know, castles and all that. But it's quite a simple story, isn't it? But it just just fits perfectly in those four episodes. Yeah, yeah, it does. The story flows along quite nicely because although yeah. it's not every episode isn't um, jam packed full of action and stuff going on, mm. there just seems to be the right amount of content of going because the the first episode it's more about. Um, because we have the brigadier, don't we, at the beginning? And yeah, Nick, I Nick who was in it actually. Yeah, even though he's in it very little, he's only in it a small part at the beginning. Um, he's mm. still brilliant, and it's more about sort of introducing Sarah Jane, isn't it? Because she kind of gets she's there as a reporter, but she's blagged her way into unit. Um, yeah, and the doctor <laughs> discovers that quite quickly, and she stows away on she stows away she stowaways stows away on the TARDIS and uh, goes back in time with the doctor. So she's, we kind of see it through her eyes a little bit as well, because she's trying mm. to unravel what's going on. Cause she thinks it's all a big game. She thinks yeah. it's just like medieval, you know, fun day. <laughs> it's quite an interesting idea. I thought. Yeah. That. So we're kind yeah. of going through the motions, watching it through. Cause as you say, it's a first, isn't it? Mm. So that's quite cool. And then episodes two, three and four are really just that sort of build up where you think, you know, is links going to have his, ship repaired is he going to be able to blast off because the doctor knows that once that happens it's going to cause a huge explosion it's going to wipe out the castle and iron grom and all his people yeah and then we think well on top of that we have these little captures as well so sarah jane gets captured the doctor gets captured at one point the the i've forgotten the guy's name but the bowman that they send out to assassinate iron grom you know the guy looks a bit like robin hood with a long oh um uh, Han, ha- is it? Hal, Hal, Hal. Hal. Yeah, so he gets captured as well. And then we have this sort of escapee sort of thing where the Doctor escapes, goes back to the other castle and helps them. And and all the while you've got links, yeah, sort of building up and building up because this big tension between him and Iron So Iron Gron's oh, desperate for these weapons that Lynx has promised him. And then in return, you know, but they, you, you kind of think, is it going to go to blows as well? Because you get in your sort of get the feeling that Lynx is going to kill Iron Gron at some point. I thought that, yeah. But then you also think that Iron Gron's going to kill Lynx as well. He's going to take him out because he does actually say, once I've got the weapons, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, do him off. And uh, so there's this build-up of tension that I love in episodes two to four. And then, yeah, it just culminates with the Doctor saving a day exactly as it should do. And it's one of those mm. great Doctor companion uh, stories where even though Sarah Jane's not a proper quote unquote companion at this stage, she does sort of assume her role quite quickly. She does once she figures out that the doctor's not the bad guy, because that's a cool twist. Not that's a cool 
twist is not the right word, but no, I know what you mean. I yeah. thought that as well. I thought that's a nice idea that yeah. yeah that she thinks he's in on it. Yeah, so she thinks he's a baddie. Mm. So she actually aids in capturing the doctor because yeah, that's yeah. quite funny that bit. She's like, this isn't a rescue. I mean, to capture you. And yeah. He's like, what, what the. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I mean, this is just testament to just how brilliant Robert Holmes is. Yeah. You know, to write a script like that, which could have gone badly wrong on screen. <laughs> um, yeah. It's just a, a wonderful script and it moves along nicely and it's fairly well decently directed as well because it's quite a I small. I think so. Yeah. It's, it doesn't really, it's not very adventurous with its sets or its locations. So the sets are just. Lynx's uh, makeshift laboratory in the dungeon, I mm. suppose, of a castle. We've got this little room, which is the dining hall, I think, of Irongron's castle. We've got the similar thing in Edward of Wessex's castle, a kitchen, and then the unit office. And they're all really small. None of these sets are very big, are they? And then we've got some location stuff, which is the courtyard of a castle somewhere, and then a couple of little bits outside in the woods. Yeah, that's pretty much it, isn't it? I think that's it. So, yeah, so yeah. in order to bring that story to life, it's quite difficult when you haven't got much to play with. You've only got a handful of very basic small sets mm. and a couple of um, outdoorsy bits. But, yeah, it just works. It just, you know. I think you're right. I think it, it, it's, um, it is a cracking script for a start. Um, but I think you're you saying about bringing it to life um it is down to the cast actually i think the cast in it are, are fantastic <laughs> like everybody in it is just it is just so good so so well cast and they really do bring it to life um this story because i'm not a great fan of uh um historicals i mean if you could call it an historical i, I tend to find them a, not some of them i like but mm-hmm. they can quite often be quite boring because you get all the whole you know we we talking like this you know the old accents and all that and it can get a little bit dull but it really works in this like they do speak a little bit different don't they i can't i can't really think you know like when he's going uh you you know calling people toad face and all that sort of stuff but it's so funny um but it's yeah i just find everybody in it so on point and like it's quite nice the way the the location and studio material Mm-hmm. mixes together i mean you can tell it's a set obviously but but it does work it doesn't feel too jarring if you know what i mean uh and the direction's quite nice um i think if i was to be ultra critical i might say the fight scene uh <laughs> at the end is it episode two where there's quite a long shot of the doctor throw it well it's clearly a stunt man it's probably terry walsh dressed as john pertwee throwing barrels and straw around for what feels like about five minutes that's if i was going to be ultra critical that's about the only bit where i was thinking now this needed tightening up (laughs) but um but on the whole the direction's really nice on this i think Uh, you know it's quite nicely shot um it's interesting because it was the first it was the first story in in series 11 wasn't it (laughs) but it was actually filmed as the last story in series 10 so i was i kept thinking all the way through the, the you know i thought um I thought the chemistry between the Doctor and Sarah Jane was quite good. Uh, and I was thinking, I was wondering how Pertwee was feeling because, you know, obviously he, I'm not sure if he, would he have filmed the Green Death? You know, Katie Manning would have left. Now, I'm assuming they filmed this afterwards. I could be wrong. It might have just been in the same block. But it might have been, must have been quite strange for him to be working with a new assistant while still in that series of, you know, of working with Katie, if you know what I mean. Because I, I have a feeling they filmed him out of order. So, in other words, this was filmed and held back 
for series 11 but it was actually yeah, filmed yeah. at the end of series 10 so i kept thinking all the way through knowing how close john pertwee and katie manning were might have been quite strange for him to film this at the end of uh, that series um and and you know getting used to a new companion and then having to sort of properly start again whenever they did start filming for the next series you know yeah uh so but yeah but i think they get i think they work really well in this i think sarah jane is uh particularly strong i think she gets a really great first story really uh, good. as a companion yeah. she gets loads to do she's feisty um she's instantly likable isn't she mm-hmm. she's great know. yeah uh, yeah I, I agree with you mate i think her and and john perts we get on really well for their first their first outing and you kind of get the feeling that john perts is just this really likable easy going you know but still you know wants wants it to be great you know, so he's mm. probably got his, you know, a decent work ethic, and you can tell because when we see some of the behind the scenes of John Pertwee, he's re- sometimes he gets really not flustered, but he gets quite, you know, he really wants scenes to go well, and when he has to do things several takes, he gets a little bit annoyed with himself. Yeah, you know, so you yeah. could you can tell that although he's like that, he's probably a really lovely guy to be around. So that that's probably. Um, you know, Liz Sladen, and I reckon they got on really well from because you can tell on screen that they they get on really well because the very first conversations that they have at the unit office at the beginning, uh, Pertwee's got like a little grin on his face as a he's talking to her. Yeah, his eye, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, and she's playing the very strong. You know, don't intimidate me, don't patronise me, just because I'm a woman. Mm. You know, you don't feel you can be that way with me because he does. He does try his luck a little bit, doesn't he? Old, old Pertwee he does say like. Well, it's it's quite refreshing, isn't it? Because it's a nice change. Because I think if he'd have told uh, Joe Grant to go and make a cup of tea, she'd have, she'd have gone, yes, doctor, and done it. Because I, I love Joe Grant's companion, but that's sort of of that time. I think we're seeing a slight shift in time here, aren't we? You know what I mean? In, in changing attitudes, I mean. Because, like, Sarah Jane's very much not that, oh, I'll go and make the tea then. She, You know, she's very much like, well, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean you can boss me around. You know, she's very much that stronger, yep. you know, going into the late, you know, later in the 70s character. So it's a nice change up, I think. It is. Yeah. And that's the cool thing that sets her character off is that strong, determined, you know, yeah. not not your typical. Um, uh, yeah. So I wouldn't. So some companions up to that point, sometimes they're not really companions. They're more just help. Mm. If you know what I mean, they're like the doctor's aid. You know, if you need something, they'll go and get it. Or, yeah, you know, whereas Sarah Jane, she puts her foot down right from the off. She's like, and no. she really gets stuck in, doesn't yep. she? As well, that's the thing. She's like, yeah, she's she's up for sort of getting things sorted, and you know, she's quite prepared to do that. You know, off her own back, if you like. Yes. Like even yeah. taking on the doctor who's, you know, might have been a bit intimidating. She's like having none of it. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I think that's one of the appeals of, of Sarah Jane as a character mm. is that she definitely changed up the whole female companion space. If you like, if you can imagine uh, Sarah Jane going into the TARDIS and the doctor, uh, sorry, meeting the doctor and he says, go and make me a cup of coffee. She's like, all right then, you know, yeah. that would have just been, just run of the mill. We've seen this before, you mm. know. So, I think that's what a lot of people like about her is that she's very much her own person. Will stand up to anyone, including the Doctor. Yeah, um, and we see it with Tom as well, surprisingly, because Tom can, you know, apparently can be a bit of a, 
you know, as we said in the past, he had a reputation for being not the easiest person to work with at times. Mm. And um, even with Tom, she stood up and she didn't, you know, you could tell that she wasn't going to be shouted down, if you like, and yeah. told what to do. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good story for her to get into as well, because she actually has something to do right in her first story. It's not one of those... Mm. Um, it's not one of those stories where she just follows the doctor around and screams now and then and, you know, gets captured and waits to be rescued. She actually gets stuck in. She goes undercover. She dresses up. She catches a little plan. She motivates people. She really does play a key role in, because if it wasn't for her, then the story would have ended very differently. So, um, yeah. So I think it's a great story for her to, to get stuck in with and it could have gone the other way they could have said oh it's a new companion we need to ease her in you know a little bit let's Mm. not go too mad with the first one but no she just went in at the deep end straight away it's brilliant yeah i was gonna say it's definitely a good debut story for her isn't it yeah she definitely gets like you said stuck in i'd have loved to have seen um when she goes into the tardis i'd have just loved to have seen a on the tardis set there i always feel like there's a scene missing there do you know what i mean she goes in and you're sort of waiting for her. There's none of that, oh, wow, what's this? And I can't remember. So in the next story, what would it be? Invasion of Dinosaurs. I can't remember if we ever get any reaction shot or anything. She, I, I wonder where she went because she goes in and then the doctor goes in and presumably he doesn't see her because they don't. he doesn't realise she's there till they've landed. Mm-hmm. So I wonder where she wanders off to when she goes to that TARDIS. You know, does she go and find the food machine or does she go <laughs> and find a bedroom or, you know, where does she go? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. But in, in a way it's quite nice because it's left your own imagination. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I was waiting for her to walk onto the TARDIS set for the first time, which uh, I'm assuming doesn't happen until the next story. I can't remember. I haven't watched Invasion Dinosaurs for years. Yeah, I so. think so. Yeah. 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 And what did you think to the pacing? Because we of, we often speak about the classic Who stuff as sometimes being a bit slow. It can... Mm. And, and I think that's um, slightly unfair in a way, but just because the way that we watch it is not how it was intended to be viewed. Hmm. So back in the day, it was intended to be watched once a week. You wouldn't watch it all together or, you know, it's two and then two or however. Yeah. So we watch it as a bit of a binge watch, if you like, but it wasn't intended that way. So the pacing is going to feel slightly longer and drawn out when you watch it all together. But how did you feel on this one? Because I watched all four of them back to back. I didn't split it up and watch two and two. And I thought that was really nicely paced actually it wasn't it didn't feel like a classic classic doctor who if that makes sense it did Mm. sort of go along quite nicely it wasn't super fast um but it did move along at a decent pace for me i I could have quite happily i watched i watched it two and two actually i watched two monday and two tuesday but um i would have quite happily watched it all in one go it was it was just the timing i you know i could only fit two episodes in a night but uh, no, I, I I think the pacing is uh, is great in this story. I think it just flows very nicely. It doesn't rush. It doesn't drag. You know, it's not full on action, but it's mm-hmm. just it's just yeah, it's just a really engaging watch. Um, so yeah, I, I could have quite happily watched it all in one go, uh, which is not something I very often recommend with a Doctor Who story, especially in the Pertwee era, because a lot of them tend to be six or seven parts. So you know, it's not something I would say a lot. But uh, on this one. Yeah, I think you could just quite happily watch it all in one go. Mainly because there's, you know, the, the performances, I think, 
just they're so fun to watch. You uh-huh. know, you got um, what's his name? The Iron Gron, isn't it? Iron Gron. You know, it's yeah. so fun when he's on screen. You know, just getting on his high horse and thinks he's the big I am and and all that. It's uh, I, I just found it a real fun watch. Yeah, it, it is a fun watch because it has that right level of it's got that good balance between it's a little bit suspenseful at times. It's got um, some decent character building as well. Mm. And the support cast, I do think sometimes they are, they can ham it up just a little bit, mainly on Iron Gron's side. So <laughs> um, him and the completely inappropriately named um, Blood Axe. Because <laughs> if you were to read that on paper, you'd think, right, he sounds like a, a, a right mean yeah you know uh <laughs> yeah do you know what i mean but he turns out to be just this blundering bloody come on there's a stars are falling look <laughs> oh. and he and he blimmin loves Zyngron, doesn't he he's yeah. sort of he's really sort of sucks <laughs> up to him doesn't he going oh you're the best you are you know yeah. um yeah i know what you mean <laughs> so yeah the name doesn't suit his character because yeah. he does i don't think he even gets involved in a fight does he no I think he might get a hiyak from uh, Pertwee at one point, doesn't he? I think yeah. that's about as close as he gets to a fight. Yeah, he gets yeah. a slap and then that's the only thing that happens. He just follows Iron <laughs> around and you're bloody brilliant, you are. You're going to lead <laughs> us to this other castle and going to take over and oh, it's going to be bloody brilliant, it is. <laughs> so I do think he hams it up a little bit. and oh, certain, Maybe a little. Certainly yeah. Iron David Baker, uh, David Dacre. I think yeah. he certainly rattles the rafters a little bit with his I, um <laughs> <laughs> see i just thought he was brilliant, oh, um, brilliant but he does yeah. he does ham, yeah he does ham it up no doubt about it but i i thought he was excellent um i don't know if you had a chance to watch the making of did you of this because uh yes yeah um barry letts was saying his first choice to play that character was um Bob Hoskins. Oh, right. Okay. And he was like, uh, but they, Bob Hoskins obviously wasn't as famous That's perhaps right. when they filmed this. Yeah. And he was saying to him, why don't you, he says, I can't do it, but you should use David Darker. So Barry Letts was like, hmm, interesting. Hadn't even considered him, but let's, let's see what he's like. And, uh, do you know, I just think he's brilliant in it. I absolutely think his performance, although slightly over the top is, uh, it's not over the top. Like, uh, what was that thing we watched the other week? Um, was it Nightmare of Eden where the guy died at the end and was laughing and being real pantomime and oh, yeah. what was that what was that guy's name but not like that over the top because um, I just found that cringy but with with <laughs> David da- Daycare I thought he was just really fun to watch I loved him I thought he was just, just perfect as that character he was because I, yeah. I love the fact he's so full of himself <laughs> And all this sort of um, friction between him and Lynx, I just found hilarious, especially when he decides to finally take Lynx on and Lynx just throws him over that table as if to say, don't mess with me. <laughs> I just thought, oh, I thought this is just great <laughs> stuff, you know. It's brilliant. These two giants that are sort of like, you know, strutting around each other and as yeah, if like, I'm going to yeah. sort you out in a minute or I'm going to sort you out in a minute and all that. <laughs> I just thought he was brilliant at that. Yeah. So, so yeah. I, I don't know. I thought, I thought it was fun. Yeah. It's um, that power struggle is something that's uh, is a running theme through. Yeah. Through the story, really, because Iron's so desperate, isn't he? He he's so desperate to um, to sort of stamp his authority, and because at the end of the day, he hasn't been made by anybody into this ruler of anything or nobleman or anything like that. Basically, he's taken his castle like a bit crafty. 
yeah. because the um the 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 person that was living in this castle had had gone somewhere, and uh, Iron had just sort of slipped in and made it made it his home. That's right. Yeah. Um, but he does have ideas above his station because, like you say, he's just got this attitude like, just watch this. <laughs> I've got this. Don't worry. But yeah, he hasn't really proved himself. And the only thing that we hear really is, I think he's talking to either the Doctor or Lynx. I can't remember what who he's talking to. But in this one scene, he's saying that, you know, a few people have tried to, you know, take siege on his castle and he's been victorious. But that's the only little thing that we hear that he's actually done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really funny because... He, yeah, he, especially with Lynx. They're, they're the funniest and potentially unintentionally funny parts of the story where Lynx is obviously a lot more technically advanced and, you know, mm. it could probably take him out relatively quickly without any fuss. Whereas Ironcron, he's not having it. He's just every, pretty much every scene he's in with Lynx, you think it's you think they're going to have a tear up. You think they're yeah. just going to start, you know, smashing the crap out of each other. Um and, but I, I love the relate. Sorry, God. Yeah, and that's really down to Iron because mm. he's got this sort of fear, you know, that he's going to lose his power and lose his castle, and and he's just not having it. So everybody's a threat, and everybody's ready for a tear up. It's brilliant. He he doesn't trust Links basically, does he? I mean, Links even builds no. him a robot. I love that scene. And when he's because he's so <laughs> full of himself, Iron and he, he's got this killer machine, and then gets the control shot out of his hand and it sort of turns on him and he's like, what's going on? I loved that. I thought it was brilliant. So let's talk about get your own comeuppance. But yeah, Lynx is, um, you know, Lynx tries to win him over, but Eingron's just always got this sneaky, untrusting nature about him that he, he just can't, you know, even when Lynx gives him guns and stuff, he's just always, he just always wants to get a shot of him. He's, it's probably a bit, um, intimidated by him and he sort of mm. thinks they're all going to look up to him I need to get shot of this guy he's too flash I think that's, that's it. what it is he's jealous yeah. of Lynx yeah and Iron Gron's character reminds me of a really old school I'm talking like back in the 60s and 70s not that I was alive but he, he reminds me of an old school teacher oh, right. from back <laughs> in the 60s and 70s who just one of these teachers that wanders around the corridors like giving kids like a clip round the ear you know, mm. when they're not really doing much wrong, but he's like, you know, that's in case you do something wrong. And, yeah. you know, that, that kind of mentality where he's just very physically funny and physically, um, you know, sort of up for it all the time is the best way to describe it, I think. I know what you mean. And he yeah. really comes through so well. So David Dager just plays it, like you said, brilliantly. There are a few times where he does, he does think that there's a theatre audience in front of him rather than a yeah. TV camera. But it's few and far between. But yeah, it, he's so funny. Uh, for me, he's great in it. I, I, I think he really brings something to the story. Like like you said, he just uh, <laughs> brings it alive, uh, brings it to life very nicely. I think. Yeah. Joe, um, it, it was driving me mad trying to work out where I knew Hell, the character Hell from. Me too. All the way through, because yep. I was thinking, um, I think he's sort of like like you said, like this Robin Hood character, mm-hmm. and I was like. Oh, who is that guy? I know him. Mm-hmm. I've seen him in something else. And I was thinking it's probably from another Doctor Who story and um, actually has been in a couple of Doctor Who stories, as it turns out, but that's not where I know him from. And I know that you know. Uh, so you were doing the same. Were yep. you thinking, I know him? As soon as I saw him, I thought, that face. I know you. Yeah, yeah. I know you. Yeah. 
So obviously we both know him as Boba Fett from Star Wars. Uh, although obviously he's under a, a mask in that, but of course I've seen him at conventions, you know, and I've actually got a signed Boba Fett picture um, from him. But yeah, I didn't, I didn't know it was him um, until I watched the making of, and obviously you know he's on the making of talking, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, it's him, it's yeah, Boba yeah. Fett. Uh, yeah, so I, I just couldn't place him all the way through because I, I must admit I skipped the credits obviously to move on to the next episode. So I didn't. If I'd have seen the name, you know, De- Jeremy Bullock, I'd, yeah. I'd have I'd have known. I'd be like, oh, it's, yeah, it's both Fett. But yeah, I was I was a little bit yeah a little bit um, pleased when I saw that, that he'd been in it. I didn't realise he'd been in Doctor Who a couple of times either. No, me either. He's been in a Hartnell story. He was in. What was he in? He was in, he's in. He's been in three, I think, but I can't remember what the other one what they were. But yeah, so it's quite yeah, it's a nice little tie-in to Star Wars. It is, yeah, and I only recognised him from, uh, like you said, from, um, uh, seeing him at a, con- at a convention. Yeah, because obviously he's under his mask in Star Wars and stuff. Um, but I also recognised him from somewhere else, and I thought, where where have I bloody seen him from? And um. He was in, I used to love this old um, uh, program called Robin of Sherwood. Oh, right, yeah. That used to be on TV years ago. Um, and yeah, he was uh, he was in a handful of those episodes. And I remember him from that as well. Oh, but right. he definitely had one of those faces. And I thought, ah, oh, because I remember when I watched this a couple of years ago, and I didn't fast forward the credits. And when it said Joan Bullock, I was like, oh, yeah. there we go. There he is. Um, but yeah, what else was in the, indo- he, he was in, um, uh, the space in the museum, space museum yeah. and something else, wasn't he? I mean, he's, he's, when you look at his list of, he's done quite a lot, actually. I mean, obviously I'll always know him as Boba Fett because hmm. <laughs> that's what, but that's why I associate him with, but yeah, he's done quite a bit, you know, um, over the years. It's a bit like, um, David, uh, Dakin. I keep saying his name wrong. The guy who played, uh, Iron Grand, Dave. David Dacre, sorry, yeah. David Dacre. Cause I always associate him with a program called Boone. I don't know if you remember that. He was like quite a big part in that that series, which ran for years. Do you remember Boone? Yes, the guy who used to ride around on the bike. The painter and decorator guy. Silver. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I immediately think of him as that. Although, you know, he's obviously got a a wig and a beard on in this, so he does look quite different. But Hmm. yes. Um, But yeah, anyone that hasn't watched Robin of Sherwood, the old TV show from the eighties, it's bloody brilliant. Is that the one with David? Uh, no, Jason. I think I remember it. Was who's the, who's the lead guy? Uh, the lead guy is actually Connery. Jason Connery. Well, yes, he was in it um, in series four. So the lead guy. I'm going while we're talking about this. Anyway, the lead guy was <laughs> a guy called Michael Prade. but oh, he right. he left after three series, I think, and then Jason Connery stepped in as a different Robin. So he was Robin of Sherwood, and I think he came in as Robin of... No, sorry. He came in as Robin of Loxley, the original guy, and then this guy came in, I think it was something really boring, like Robin of Bedford, or <laughs> Robin of something like that, yeah. Yeah. But anyway... Robin of Bedford, yeah. Yeah, we're getting off topic, but it's a great Robin show. of Slough. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, Jeremy Bullock, and he plays a pretty good part in this, actually. He's quite good, isn't he? Yeah, he is good yeah. because he's got sort of uh, loyalty to the last, even though he gets captured and he's about to get killed a couple of times, and he's he's there right till the end. In fact, till the very mm. end scene where he says goodbye to the Doctor and Sarah Jane, and then they're off, and he's there till the end. So he has a pretty good part. 
Yeah, no, I thought he was good in it. Yeah, it's just like, like you said, just bugging me all the way through who he was. But no, I thought he, I don't think there's anyone in this I don't particularly like. I mean, it, um, who's the other guy? There is one guy that's a bit wet in it. Um, he's the Edwards of Wessex oh, played yeah. Bannon, right? Yeah. He's a bit wet because he's like, oh, I've lost my castle, but I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to fight about it. I'd rather just, you know, have some mead and contemplate you know he's a, he's a bit of a wet <laughs> a fish mead. but then you've got like uh <laughs> yeah. then you've got um uh i want to say dot brown what's her name june brown dots the character from eastenders isn't it that she's been playing for like a hundred years yeah. but she's yeah. in it a, a young jude brown as his wife playing lady eleanor and um i felt we could have seen more of her actually because june brown's a great actress mm. and uh I, I i'm sure you were the same i mean i don't watch eastenders i can't stand it but um, obviously I know Dot because she's been in it for like ever, forever. isn't she? Yeah. Forever. So I kept it waiting for Lady Eleanor to sort of lie up a fag <laughs> and just be like, you know, uh, Edward, get off your so-and-so and get the castle back. Um, but yeah, it's good to see her in it. Just think she, she could have been in it a bit more, I think. Yeah, she does play a fairly strong character as well because uh, yeah. she's really the one that's kind of driving the whole thing you know, what are we going to do situation? Well, yeah. Cause like That's you right, say, yeah. the, 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 um, the, the Earl, I suppose of that castle, whatever. Yeah. Like you say, he's very much, Oh, yeah. lost it. <laughs> going to get taken over soon. Might as well just have a bit of food and, and chill out and she's like and then her and that, that that's the cool thing about robert holmes he doesn't shy away because back in the day in the 70s in the early 70s it was very much a case of you know women make the tea yeah and know cook the dinner thing, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um so he didn't shy away at all from having these strong female characters mm. you know driving the story forward almost so you had lady eleanor very much like you know we're not just going to sit down let's let's do something then you got sarah jane in the same scene as well like come on don't just sit there yeah let's make a plan let's actually do something so i i really enjoyed the characters with with old dot actually. did you expect her to lie up a fag though i kept waiting for she's got this funny sort of <laughs> head mark this, yeah head thing on i just kept waiting for her to get one out yeah <laughs> <laughs> and there's another strongish female character as well which had me in absolute stitches um it's the um, it's the cook in Iron Gron's castle. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about her. Yeah. So there's a scene where Sarah Jane's undercover and she goes down in to work in the kitchen for a bit because she needs to put the sort of the little concoction that the doctor's worked up into the food. That's it. Into yeah. the stew. And uh, as that scene opens, so she's down in the kitchen and um, what's her name? I think her name might be Meg. I think it's Meg, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, for absolutely no, there's a woman washing up dishes in the sink, and for absolutely no reason whatsoever, she just gives her a backhander on the back of the head. And then yeah, she, I was like, "What's that about?" And she's basically just flexing her authority. She's like, "Yeah, yeah. go on, carry on before you even think about slacking off." So she gets this woman gets a shot across the back of the. Head. I know for doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> that's <laughs> what it was like back then you see oh nonsense <laughs> oh god <laughs> like that bit did you it's a bit like you with Dalek Tat just give him a quick <laughs> yeah. quick slap oh, I'll tell you it's just 
that I had to rewind that and watch it like six times because <laughs> I was laughing so much I couldn't hear what they were saying <laughs> in the the moments after that. But yeah. oh, but she's <laughs> she's a <laughs> she's a fairly strong character as well. You know, it, even though her sort of role within the overall thing, you know, she's down in the kitchens. You know, she's still got that feisty. You know, not shy to dish out a few. <laughs> <laughs> she's not she doesn't mind dishing out a few slaps and uh <laughs> yeah so that's another strong female character of it i guess i consider yeah. she's not in it that much she's <laughs> she's quite memorable <laughs> <laughs> um you wouldn't you wouldn't mess with her you wouldn't no, no no not at all uh let's talk a little bit about links then oh yes our let's... Sontaran warrior kevin Lindsay. Yes. Was the actor, yes. Uh, I think he gives a brilliant performance in this. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Yes. First Centauran we've seen in Doctor Who. Yeah. And he immediately sets the tone for everything that's going to come before, which is quite unusual Mm. because um, even up to this day, Strax in in modern Doctor Who still takes on that role in a very similar way. The voice is very similar. Um, You know, the way that he sort of carries himself as a Centauran. It all sort of... And when we've seen other, in, you know, other versions of Centaurans, it doesn't matter if it's classic who or after, all roads leave back, if you know what I mean, um, yeah, to, yeah. to Kevin Lindsay. So the way that he played it has sort of set the precedence for all the others. And especially when they rebooted... Rebooted? When they brought back Doctor Who in 2005, the next time we see Centaurans, they could have very easily changed that up a bit. You know, but they didn't. They just kept that, just the way the voice is delivered and you know. everything about it. I was yeah. going to say, I think he he's. I mean, he really. I like this story anyway, but he really makes this story for me. He just whenever he's on screen, I just it's weird because he gives an almost slightly at times um, restrained performance. That sometimes he's just sort of standing still, sort of almost arching over. Um, uh, Iron Gron, just menacingly, you know, and I, I don't know. It just his whole performance is brilliant. He's, he's, he's a real rounded character. Like you say, it's the first Sontaran we get to see. So we sort of get he's, he's intelligent, um, but he's only, you know, his only goal in life is that he wants to get back to fighting the war with the Rutons. That's all he's interested in. So we instantly get that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeah, it's just such a rounded character, and he's not just he's not just an um, out and out villain. He's actually much, so much more than that, isn't he? He's quite, he's quite intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, I, I just love it. And and also, I mean, not only is is he my favourite Sontaran, <laughs> but also he's he his mask is the best. Um, I'm talking about like the the Sontaran mask, not the helmet he wears. But when he takes off, the, you know, the the helmet, that mask is fantastic, and it's never been bettered. I don't even think the new series ones look good, uh, <laughs> as good, sorry. They look good, they, but not as good. Because he kind of looks really dirty, and he's got, like, bits of um, hair growing out of his ears. And, you know what I mean? The detail and stuff on that mask is is brilliant, and it's well joined to his face because um, we get some good close-ups of it, especially when he's sticking his tongue out and stuff. Hmm. Um, I just think it looks brilliant. And I, and, I, and I think about, you know, the Sontaran experiment, it doesn't 
you know, the mask they use in that doesn't compare anything to this, does it? It looks really rubbery and 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 feeble <laughs> and thin. And mm-hmm. th- but this looks solid and and it's dirty and it's it, you know you can almost believe that that's his actual potato head. I think I think <laughs> it, you know it's just brilliant. I mean, Lynx is just by far my favourite Sontaran in the way he looks, the way he acts, the way he is, everything. Um, and it is a big part of why I enjoy this story so much. I think. Yeah, but but I wonder why, why why couldn't they get the mask as good? Like it's never been as good as it is in this story. No, even when um, what story did we review? What Tom Baker story was it? The last Santaran story. Yeah, that is we reviewed? it uh, Santaran experiment? Is it called? I think. Well, the one where they're on the out in location a lot. That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. Whatever one that's called, I think it was a Santaran experiment, wasn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. Even that where they're filmed, not too many years apart yeah you would have thought that they would have been able to replicate how good this mask looked but that looked fairly awful in most of the scenes Com- um, compared to this i mean it just this looks so solid <laughs> doesn't it i i just sort of pictured the other one just looks like a rubbery mask um mm-hmm. when do we see them again so the two doctors I, they're not no even in that they're not they're okay aren't they they're but not even great, in that though. they look great mm. um what other stories do we see the Sontarans in? I mean, obviously in the new series, it, you know, they they look uh, decent because they've got, you know, much better prosthetics now. But <laughs> but I still don't think they look as good as this. I mean, that reveal is such a great, hmm. I would say, classic cliffhanger, wouldn't you? It's such a great um, scene, just him turning around and taking off the mask. The only thing I would say is, I don't know if you found this, but I did find him quite hard to understand in the early scene, so especially in the location shots when he's got the the helmet on, he was quite muffled. They seem to sort it out later on in the story, but you know when he first steps out of his ship and yeah, he drops that yeah. flag, which is such a great little scene, isn't it? The way that flag just plops open <laughs> as if he's claimed that bit of land. But yeah, I couldn't hear him for some of the early scenes. Uh, it seems like they managed to sort that out later, but yeah, um, I it seemed think, to be I think that might be because of they're out on location on those first bits. So when he's, um, yeah, well, it does. It does sound like he's broken. Yeah, he does. Absolutely yeah. from behind the helmet. Um, but I think we're in a bit more of a controlled environment on set. Mm. Uh, yeah, they do mitigate that a little bit. And maybe they mic'd him up a bit closer when he's got yeah. the, the helmet on. But um, but no, I completely agree with you, mate. It's it's strange how they haven't been able to, to replicate the quality. Because there's... You know, it's not, like you said, it's not brilliant. It's not going to win any awards for, you know, makeup, you know, or design or anything, but it does look fairly genuine. It does look, mm. you know, pretty spot on. And then from that point on, I think, what's the uh, the invasion of time? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that yeah, one. Yeah. They don't look very good at all in that. Gosh, I can't really remember, but then, no, I'm sure they don't. Yeah. yeah, and then the two Doctors, again, it looks better, but not as good as this one. So... Uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of performance as well, um, I, I, I thought, yeah, Kevin Lindsay is brilliant as as a Santaran, really, really good. Yeah. What, what do you, What do you feel about the the you know this thing about the the Santarans having this air vent at the back, which is you know just seems to be such a big weakness to have. I mean, he he justifies it by saying because he's always going to be fighting his enemy <laughs> face to face. So you, yeah. that's very Santaran. I like that, but don't know do you think it's a bit of a because I, I quite like it myself but i do also feel it's quite an easy cop out um this vent back um, of but, the neck 
bang it. <laughs> well, they've used it as a bit of a get out, haven't they? For a little bit, you know. Yeah. So that's how they've defeated them in, you know, uh, episodes that we've seen since then. So yeah, we've had the whole just give them a a bonk on the back of the neck and down they go. So it does seem like a bit of a uh, an easy exploit, if you like. It seems like mm. a very big weakness. It does. Um, yeah, so it's probably not ideal. It can it can provide you with that magical, you know, let's defeat the Centaur and all of a sudden he's been this huge threat throughout the entire story. And mm. then at the end, we'll just give him a tap on that little air vent and down he goes, you know, save the day. Yeah. But so I suppose it's just down to the writing, as long as it's used sensibly. Because it doesn't kill him in this, does it? It just knocks him out. And... No, and I must admit, it does work well in this story because obviously he gets an arrow in the fire to the back of it. And I was like, oh, that is pretty cool. That's actually. awesome. That bit. But he's in his ship, isn't he? So he still manages to get, you know, press the engine button. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but that is pretty cool when he gets the arrow in the back. So in this story, I think it works really, really well. But yeah, it does kind of leave it a bit open for other things and, you know, other stories in terms of a bit of an easy get out, if you like. Yeah. Hmm. But I thought that was really cool. It was a great shot. The arrow yeah, it was. The, yeah, yeah, it's brilliant, that bit. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've spoken about most people then and most things. Let's talk about the Doctor himself, Mr. Pertwee. Yeah, Pertwee. I thought he was brilliant in this. He is. He's awesome in it. And I, and I love it when the Doctor's um, making gadgets, especially the third Doctor. He's yeah. always twiddling around with some little tinkering. piece of mystery. Yeah, tinkering. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, there's quite a bit of that in this one, especially in the early episode, isn't it, when he's building that funny contraction and then he's got the that torch or whatever it's supposed to be that lights up the hologram of links on the stairs i mean that's a great scene that is it's so simple and so effective it's 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 brilliant but no i, I love Perwin in this i think he's absolutely on the ball and as i said that's why i was thinking back earlier to um what he must have been thinking because we're getting to his last series and things have changed uh he's changed you know um we've got delgado as you know um well, things are changes afoot at mm -hmm. this point. Let's put it that way. With, yeah. with in terms of people leaving, and obviously the death of Delgado and Katie leaving, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm wondering where he was when he filmed this. But for me, he's bang on the money. I think he's all, absolutely great performance from him in it. He really rocks that green jacket. <laughs> the green. I mean, velvet. come on, yep. who <laughs> is that? Is a bright green, and he he would you call it lime? I don't know. It yeah, it's a kind of lime. It is no, it is like a lime because it's lime not bright jacket. green, is it? It's a slightly yeah. muted. Yeah, it, it's he, it's a wonderful jacket. But <laughs> not many people could make it look that good, mate. Oh, he rocks on. that jacket. He absolutely. He's the man. Yeah, yeah. He is. Yeah, he's he's just. I don't know. He's got his own style, and it totally works. You know the the frilly shirt, that green jacket, and um, yeah, I just think he, I just think he's great in it. Um, even you know he gets to do a lot of the hayak. Yeah. There's a couple of that later in Hi. the story, doesn't he? Does it a few times? That's it, yeah. Hi. <laughs> Does it a few times? Um, I know he gets replaced by a stuntman in that fight scene, I was saying, but to be honest with you, it doesn't really uh, take anything away from him because I think he had a bad back at this point, didn't he? So that becomes quite common in the Pertwee era, if you yeah, like. But, yeah. you know, but that side, he's totally in there giving a great performance. Um, bang on the money for me in this. And there's some nice scenes between him and... Uh, uh, that professor guy, actually, which I've just realised we didn't mention him. Um, oh, Rub Rubish. Rubish. I mean, yeah. 
he's a nice little side character really isn't he? he's one of those eccentric little characters that we sometimes mm. get in doctor who that i think you can quite warm to um uh, I, I really like him actually what's the actor's name uh, uh donald, donald Pelmer. Yeah. yeah so um, how do we yeah. forget him he's a great little character he is a great yeah. little character, yeah. And it's nice scenes between him and the Doctor. I love the fact that he shows so short-sighted that it means he can't get hypnotised. I love it when they come up with simple ideas like that. Um, you know, so yeah, it's great the way he saves the Doctor and he's like sharpening his own little monocle to be able to see around the, um, you know, around the room and stuff. So great little character and some nice scenes with Pertwee, I thought. Mm. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I can't believe I forgot him because he's, he's quite an instrumental character in the story as well because he's the one that continues after the doctor's left he continues to de-hypnotize the the scientist and then he also takes over and operates the machine to send them forward in time to where they were yeah Uh, and he's the guy that also is sort of immune to the the hypnosis as well isn't he because He's, he's like, so ah, short-sighted. Yeah, he's like strong of mind, you see. <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, and he's great. He's very funny as well. He plays yeah. this very quirky little self-assured. Nah, I'm I'm good. So the doctor's like, we've got to get you out of here. You know, life is in danger, and he's like, nah, I'm all right. Just go and do what you've got to do, and I'm I'm happy here, just pottering around. Yeah, great well, little character. You, I think you've said it before that when we get just every now and again, we get these funny little characters like him. Mm-hmm. That are sort of um, a bit silly, a bit mad, or whatever, or or a bit quirky, um, but they're they're you know they bring something to the story because they can be a little bit over the top, but mm-hmm. they bring a nice charm to the story, don't they? And he's one of those little characters, I think, which uh, you know, it, it, yeah, it's just it's just uh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is very very cool. Yeah. Um, what do you think to the music? Um. There was well, I like. Hardly yeah, I was going to say, I didn't notice that much because it's Dudley Simpson uh, and I love Dudley's scores. Um, yeah, I didn't notice it too much in this story, which is not necessarily a bad thing because it might just mean it sort of fitted in the background as, as music should. But uh, yeah, it didn't stand out as being good or bad, really. I didn't really notice it. Yeah, that's what I thought on this one because Dudley Simpson mm. normally, oh, most of the time, you got some really nice little themes in there and it can yeah. be whereas this one I found it a bit unsubdued yeah a bit forgettable mm. I don't really remember how any of the music goes after I've watched it it wasn't too bad no it's a good point though because mm. I mean sometimes the music in the Pertwee era can be quite ear piercing um, it's no, not not normally Dudley Simpson though who's the other guy that um, like the Sea Devils music uh, uh, do you know what I mean you can't yeah. forget it um, whereas this one, yeah, I mean, nothing against Dudley's music because I love his stuff, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it didn't stand out to me in this as being uh, anything special. But yeah, but it kind of worked from what I remember. I just don't remember, like you, I just don't remember anything significant about it. Yeah. 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 Okie dokie. Scores. I think it's you to go first, isn't it? Right. I'm, gonna... I'm hoping so. Yeah, score, I'll go first. I'm going to give this. 7.5. Huh. Really? I thought we'd go higher than that. What, what have you given it? A 9? Well, I've gone for 8.5. Okay. <laughs> but the reason I wanted you to go first is because I was toying with a 9. Because I, really? I, re- I really enjoy it. I think it's a really great little story. Um, but I think, I don't know, it, it, there is, it, uh, it is not one that I'd say is like a must watch. You've got it. It's not an absolute classic. 
Um, and I can't put my feelings on why, but mm-hmm. it is a story that I, you know, could really enjoy uh, and do really enjoy. So for me, it's a classic. I don't know. Maybe it's because it hasn't got that, you know, overarching big villain threat thing going on. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's a little gem, as we said earlier. So I'll go with 8.5. Yeah, I, I gave it a 7.5 is for that very reason, because it's like mm. a gem that's not really mentioned that often. Mm. And it's not recommended if, again, if we said to, someone said to us, what would you recommend from Pertwee Zero? You probably wouldn't go for this one immediately. Mm. Um, so I can't give it higher than that, just because it doesn't feel like it has that classic, not classic as in classic who, but it doesn't have that classic, you know, formula that makes it great but it is a gem though it is yeah it's one yeah. that i really like i'd put it i'd put it i would put it as one of my favorite little stories it's hmm. strange isn't it because it's not one i watch that often either um but uh, but when i do watch it i i really enjoy it so yeah yeah i read you what did our beautiful listeners think uh, over on the twitter poll and we asked you guys if it's likey or stinky 85 percent of you said likey yeah. And only 15% said stinky. Like me. Yeah. And then we had some further comments over on Twitter. Um, uh, the Denshin said, David Dacre is Iron Gron with a big heart emoji. <laughs> uh, Silent Nerd C137 said, this was my first Pertwee story. Oh, and really? a great debut for Sarah Jane and Centaurans. I love it. And what the Centaurans uh, to return for series 11. Yeah. That'd be cool. He gives it 8.5, or they give it 8.5. Gallifrey's Guard says, first classic who I watched. Didn't like it whatsoever. Oh. Oh, dear. Very Uh, me. Gallifrey and Whovian says, simply brilliant. The best interpretation of the Centaurans. Medieval England looks great. And Pertwee and Sladen are the dream team. Mm 8.9. Johnny Kilroy says, totally agree. The acting of the side characters is terrible, though but that doesn't uh, affect my enjoyment of the story too much. And uh, that's it for Twitter. And then we had some audio clips in. Yeah, cool. So let's kick off with Loopy Loo. Greetings, one and all. Believe it or not, I hadn't yet seen when Sarah Jane met the Doctor, so that was nice to see. He was terribly rude suggesting she make coffee. Or was he just testing her mettle? I wasn't quite sure. I love that she won't put up with being patronised, though. Drinking game idea. Take a shot every time they say the word insolent. Insolent nerve! Okay, the best line was after the doctor goes to find a young girl. Uh, the scientist says, young girl? I should have thought he'd be a bit too old for that sort of thing. I thought that was hilarious. Well, I think it was a good story and it kept my interest. Some of the actors weren't good, but I liked the funny scientist guy who sort of took everything in his stride. Elizabeth Sladen was brilliant in this, and Pertwee was lovely. I would give it a 6 out of 10, probably more if there was more Brig in it. (laughs) (laughs) Cheers, Luke. That is true. There is a lot of that. Insolent. Yeah, now she mentions it. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good point. Continue with the audio stuff. This is George Puddy. Hello, Gary and Adam. Um, So, the uh, Time Warrior. So, I wouldn't think that this uh, story is in season 11 as uh, we did get some quite major news for the upcoming Series 11. Um, I love the medieval element to uh, this uh, story. The Sontarans uh, look so good in uh, black and silver, don't they? I love Pertwee's uh, costume in this one. Green jacket with the uh, bow tie. I really do like that. I love Lynx as a 
a character, and he's portrayed brilliantly by uh, Kevin Lindsay. It's Sarah Jane's first row. Now, Sarah Jane is my all-time favourite companion. You just can't beat her. And she's actually pretty good. Liz Sladen gives a pretty good performance in her uh, first story, actually. I love uh, Pertwee in uh, this one. He puts in a really good uh, performance. He's not one of my uh, favourite Doctors, but he slowly creeps up that favourite Doctors list each time, every, each time I see him more. Of the other classic stories uh, I've... Uh, watched for the uh, podcast, um, Horns of Nymore and uh, Terminus. I wouldn't have minded if I just uh, didn't finish it, but with this, I just couldn't stop watching. The only uh, negative I can find is uh, sometimes the medieval guys were a bit over the top, but I love this story, 9 out of 10. See you guys next week. Cheers, George. Nice one, George. Make some good points there. Yes. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, let's continue, actually, before we go on to Facebook. Let's do Martin Arnold. Greetings, Time Warriors. Now, what's better than John Pertwee? John Pertwee and Liz Sladen. What's better than John Pertwee and Liz Sladen? A story written by Robert Holmes. And what's better than John Pertwee, Liz Sladen, a story written by Robert Holmes? The Sontarans. Fantastic. It just gets better and better. This is this is just classic who at its absolute best. Um, and it's not my favourite episode, but that's just a personal preference thing. But it's, it, it's just... It's it's so well written and it's so well paced. The dialogue is 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 fun. Uh, it's peppy. None of the characters I find to be boring. And I just chuckled at the bit where Sarah uh, Sarah Sarah um, interrupts the archer, who then just misfires and just runs off. That always makes me laugh. It's, it looks as if he's been caught doing something he shouldn't. Ah, oh, good times. It's, this is great. Um, you know, I, I think Lynx is a superb villain. The Santarans are superb, and if I'm not mistaken, doesn't doesn't the guy was uh, I can't remember the actor's name go on to play Steyer in the Santaran experiment? Brilliant, I, I, and, and well he should because he's absolutely fantastic as Lynx. Um, and Iron Grom's a great foil. They make a sort of great double act where neither trusts the other, and they're both supremely confident in what they do. That's what you want in Who villains, and um, with John and Liz working together. Um, they seem to be getting on great right from the off. Their relationship uh, and Sarah's introduction doesn't feel at all contrived. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Nine out of ten. Toodle pip. Nine. <laughs> Toodle pip. I like that. Nice one, Martin. Yeah, cheers, Martin. Really likes that one. Uh, let's carry on. Sammy Satine from Dan and. Uh... G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Time Warrior. Ruffles and Sarah Jane and the Brigadier. Yay! The Sotarans are okay in this. I find their spaceship design interesting. This story is one of the very few Third Doctor stories I have found boring in places. Six out of ten. See ya! Oh. Oh dear. Maybe. Boring in places. i got to agree with about the spaceship. I love I love the spaceship. I love it when they build full-size <laughs> spaceships in Doctor Who as well. The giant Don't golf you? ball. Yeah, the giant golf ball. It's wicked. It's awesome. A bit like in uh, Remembrance, where they build a full-size ship. You oh, know? that's brilliant. Love it when yeah. they go to go to the effort of making it, yeah. Hmm. No model shots. Not only to be seen. Yeah. Last audio clip is Lewis Palmer. Lewis. Hello to the Big Blue Box podcast. So, the Time Warrior. A really good, if slightly overrated, story. Don't get me wrong, it's great to see the first appearance of Sarah Jane and the first appearance of the Sontarans, the latter of which is probably the best the Sontarans ever got in this story. But I do think it 
does kind of drag in some areas. And although I do enjoy it, it's not one that I often go to when I think, oh, I want to watch a John Pertwee. I usually go to something like Spearhead from Space or uh, Planet of the Spiders or, you know, something from Season 8 or 9. This isn't one I would go back to. That said, it's a really good historical. Sarah Jane, knowing the legacy that she leaves uh, behind, uh, she's just judging by this story, she's amazing in it. As I said, the Sontarans are the best they ever got in this. And, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a great story. Just, it's not one I return to often. So, uh, I give it a 8 out of 10, I think. Uh, see you next time, guys. All right. Cheers, Lewis. I, I do know what he means. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely love it, but I get what he means. It's, yeah. Yes. If you put it next to Spearhead, you'd go for Spearhead. But it's, a, yeah. I hear you, Lewis. We hear you, mate. Thank you very much. Over on Facebook, Kevin Marlin says a brilliant story that gives us three firsts. Four firsts, but yeah. Yeah. First appearance of Sarah Jane, impossibly her strongest, most independent story. First and Siren, and uh, we finally discover the Doctor's home planet. Yeah. Um, he says the exterior shots look beautiful and the story zipped along nicely. I'm not a big fan of the third Doctor, but his final season is great and gets off to mm. an excellent start with the Time Warrior. It gives it 8.5. Uh, nice one. Dean Jones says a lot of fun despite this being a first story. Liz Sladen is excellent uh, and has great chemistry with John Pertwee. Uh, Lynx is an engaging villain with a great introduction as the Centaurans. A supporting cast of a very solid job, even if it's a little OTT at times. He gives it an eight. Miles McKenzie, one of Pertwee's best. I feel like it's the right time zone. Everyone's performance was great. The first Centauran story and a fantastic intro. Uh, to one of the greatest companions, Sarah Jane. I love Lynx, uh, his costume, and miss those Centauran designs. Uh, didn't feel the story dragged. Loved every minute, 9.5. Mm-hmm. Lou Gallagher, first Pertwee story I actually saw as a kid, mainly because I was a massive fan of Sarah Jane. Speaking of which, I feel, I feel both her and Pertwee worked well in his first, in her first appearance and like the dynamic of her thinking wrongly of the Doctor. Uh, links I always find entertaining to watch and that reveal when he takes his helmet off still sticks in my mind. Yeah. Uh, on a side note, is it just me or does this Centaurian look better than the one in the Centaurian experiment? No, it's not just you. It does. Yeah. Uh, Jason Thayer says an excellent introduction to Sarah Jane, one of my favorite companions. It's a shame the Centaurians looked worse and worse until their final appearance. Mm. Uh, knew who definitely fixed that. She gave it, uh, sorry, he gives it a 10 out of 10. Wow, 10 out of 10. 10. Uh, Finn Walsh, uh, probably a year since I've done this, but I'll leave it short and sweet. It's easy to watch story. Likeable as well. No real complaints. 7 out of 10. <laughs> Joseph Howarth says, a great fun watch for me. Sarah Jane's first appearance leaves a great impact and still does to this very day. When I saw her again in this story, after seeing her in the episodes she was in for the new series, as well as the Sarah Jane adventures for the first time, I felt like I was seeing an old friend on screen. Yeah. Uh, I, Iron, oh, can't get my words out. Iron Gron uh, is gloriously hammy and chewing the scenery <laughs> and reminds me of Alan Rickman in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves as the ah. show in Nottingham. That's a good point, actually. That is, actually, yeah. There is some likeness there. Definitely. Uh, he says, I knew this was going to happen, but I'm just waiting for him to say, Loxley. I'm going to cut your heart <laughs> out with Spain. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> uh, goes on to say, uh, I love the scenes with Rubish because they were hilarious and he was very absent minded. And uh, tons of action and great scenes, as well as notable appearance from Jeremy Bullock. Uh, goes on to give it an 8 out of 10. 
And lastly, Stan Gallagher says, uh, great story, love links or toad face. When I go to Warwick Castle, I always think of this episode. Nice. So that's all the official stuff. Did you have anything on the Geek's Handbag? Yeah, I'd say a couple. By the way, where is it? I must go. I would love to go to the castle. It's um, it's not Warwick, is it? I can't remember no. where it's filmed. It's, yeah, have a look while I find the geek stuff. So yeah, um, Ethan Duckworth says probably the best Sontaran story next to the Sontaran experiments. Uh, Mark Daniel Mooney simply, simply says prime Pertwee, which it is. <laughs> Patrick Sherwood says, I really love the Time Warrior. I think it's one of the best classic Doctor Who stories. I really enjoy it. I think it's uh entire story would be a 10 out of 10, he says, for him. So he really likes it. Charlie Turner says, this is my favorite Sontaran story to date. One thing he regrets, though, is that uh, never used to like this one when he first watched it, but it's grown on him, and he gives it a 10 out of 10. Blimey. And uh, and one last one that I had sent to me on Twitter via a private message from Elliot Beasley, who says, The Tom Warrior is a great introduction to a fan-favorite companion, Sarah Jane Smith, as well as the iconic Sontarans. It's also the first feature one of my favorite opening title sequences, and Gallifrey, yes, exactly, is named as the Doctor's home planet for the first time too. Uh, Still remember coming... the coming soon trailer on the DVD release. How excited I was, and it did not disappoint. The story is the best pseudo historical, and it serves as an exciting season opener with medieval warriors and contemporary scientists. He says it's a definite nine out of ten. Cheers, Elliot. Nine, another one. Another nine, yes. Well received, this one. For the most part. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad, actually. Yeah, because yeah. it's a, it's a good one, I think. Yeah. Uh, location was. Peckforton Castle in Cheshire. Cheshire, is it? Yes. Right. Okay. And interestingly enough, they used the same castle for both castles in the story. Oh, right. What, filmed from different views or something? Or, yeah, or, so they just... Oh. Slightly different rooms and different views in the same castle for yeah, West Wessex the Castle it. and Iron Grons Castle, yes. Yeah. Have to go. try and get down there one day. There you go. With your camera, do the old location shot. Yeah. Yeah, reenacted a bit of in the court in the in the courtyard <laughs> in the courtyard there. Yeah, going, yeah, it's a it's a fully working uh, grade one listed uh, place, uh, right. so you can probably wander down into the kitchen, dish the oh. chef a backhander in the back yeah, of the head. It, yeah, <laughs> and if you want, you can throw in a hey, right. Thank you so much, guys, for sending in all your. Uh, thoughts and reviews for the time warrior i think overall uh very well received it's a hidden i wouldn't say hidden but it's a it's a nice gem in pertwee's era yeah. so if you've watched the main ones that every doctor has i think every doctor in classic who has got sort of at least three or four must watch uh, must watches it probably doesn't rank up there with those so if you've watched those if you've watched those must watches in pertwee's era and you're thinking what well, i wonder what else is is floating around the Pertwee area, then uh, check that one. Yeah. Because that will, uh, you won't go wrong with that one. No. Next week and all of November, we've got something cool for our reviews. Mm. Haven't we, old chap? Yeah, I've been looking forward to this, actually, yes. Yeah, so what we normally do, as you guys know, um, if new listeners are not aware, when we come to do our reviews, unless there's new Doctor Who on the TV, what we normally do is we alternate each week, so we do a classic Who and then a week after we do a modern Doctor Who, classic, modern, in that pattern. 
Um, but there are a few reviews that have been done in the past, namely ones that I did by myself when I started the podcast way, way back in 2014. And a lot of times when Adam and I are talking, not even if we're recording, just catching up and talking about certain episodes, we always say, oh, it'd be great to revisit that or for you and I to view it and, and review it together and stuff like that. So, mm. and also our opinions have changed. As anybody that's listened to the show for longer than a year will know that when I first started watching McCoy, for example, um, I just couldn't get into it and I put it off and put it off and I tried again and I didn't get into him. I couldn't really get into him and then all of a sudden something clicked and I just continued watching and now he's one of my favorite doctors and so our opinions have changed you know over time as well so for November we're going to kick off the revisits month yeah and these are all classic who and they are episodes that um you and I um have obviously watched a lot individually however um you know we just want to view them again revisit together and so on so what are we going to do to kick off Revisits Month next week? So, yeah, so this has been a long time coming, actually. So we will be re-reviewing Remembrance of the Daleks next week, ah. the classic McCoy one. Now, this has been a long time coming. I think Gary's wanted to revisit this um, for quite some time, ever since we first reviewed it. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to that, um, to see how opinions have changed since we originally reviewed it back whenever that was. Um, and then obviously I'll, I won't tell you what we're going to do for the next few weeks, but there'll be stories that perhaps Gary reviewed on his own at the time. And, uh, and this time we'll be reviewing them together to see if our opinions um, are the same or or if Gary's opinions are the same. Maybe they've changed on those ones too. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting month actually going back and, and uh, re-evaluating these stories, if you like. Yeah. But, yeah, Remembrance the Daleks next week. Bit of McCoy. Bit of McCoy, yes. And then... Yeah. For, sorry, for the rest of November, there won't be any modern Doctor Who. It will no. just be the four classics that we want to to revisit. So we're going to kick off Remembrance, get your DVDs out for that, get it watched, because we'll be asking, as usual, for your reviews and thoughts. Mm. I think we're going to do that, mate, for 162. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to episode 162. It's been a great crack talking through the Time Warrior. Some great scenes. And like we said, if you haven't watched this one, if it's one that potentially you've thought about watching, haven't really reached for it, or you've watched all the must-haves from the Pertwee era and you want to explore a bit deeper, then definitely go and check out the Time Warrior. What was it? A 8.5 from you, I think. Yeah. And a 7.5 from me. Next week, Remembrance of the Daleks, Unlimited Rice Pudding. pudding. It's going to be... I can't wait to re-review that one with you, mate. That's going to be... Yeah, I know you've been wanting to do it for ages, haven't you? Yeah, it's going to be awesome. So I can't wait to get stuck into (laughs) that. It's going to be so cool. So, um, (laughs) yeah, look out for the uh, Facebook and Twitter posts for that. So we can be asking for your reviews and thoughts. And we'll read them all out, or play them out, whatever, Mm. next week. Until then, head over to the website, www.bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. 
you can listen to all the previous shows on there plus you can link off to all of the social stuff such as Twitter and Facebook Instagram and give us a like and a follow and all that jazz because we do chat on there in between episodes also check out Adam's channel The Geek's Handbag yeah go and have a look at that just do a search on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter all the usual stuff but mainly YouTube all of his videos are over there wonderful videos a huge plethora of (laughs) geek videos for your viewing pleasure yes in the middle of nowhere it seems yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah go and check out Adam's stuff give him a like a subscribe and all that stuff be much appreciated and lastly if you listen to our show on iTunes um, if you could spare a minute to give us a review and a rating that would be awesome because that really helps us loads and the reviews we have got have been very very lovely so those of you that have reviewed thank you so much very kind words so until then My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember... Eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee